This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans, but Hans is not present at the moment. He's probably long asleep or he's at his call center job. But I'm going to be doing an introduction to this show. Because unfortunately, when we recorded last night, when we were talking about Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins, uh, the audio decided to uh, really mangle itself. And it sounds like I'm talking through a tin can. Now, it's not unintelligible. You will be able to make out everything I say. And it probably won't even be bad compared to a good 2004 podcast, right? But, it, I mean, it sounds like I'm literally on a rotary phone talking to Hans throughout the duration of that show. So, unless you're ready for that, I would maybe recommend skipping this episode. Uh, but just to, just to pad that, to make it a little uh, you know, easier to swallow, I'm going to be doing an introduction. I'm going to be talking about the, the films I've watched in 2022. Um, I thought I would do this at the, the start of the show, where I can also plug patreon.com slash lowres if you want to get some exclusive episodes of this program, this fine program, video episodes that you can't find anywhere on the internet except for there. And uh, also, you know, we, we do put out other programs. There is After Dark, Niche Influential Films of the 20th Century. The, the latest episode of that is, I believe, The Moon is the Sun's Dream, which is Park Chan Wook's inaugural film, and I do have on the television right now. I have it paused. His latest short film, which he shot with an iPhone 13. A lot of people are all hopped up about this iPhone 13 because you can change the depth of field after you shoot it. So what? It's just a blur mask. You you included a a blur mask with with good AI technology in it. Cool. I you know that that's not going to look completely synthetic. In a, in a couple of months when everybody's doing it. Uh, it's only a matter of time before Warner Brothers integ- integrates that into whatever camera technology they're they're using with Aries and all that. Anyway, I'm just great. I'm sounding like an old man right now. I'm sounding like a crotchety old man getting upset about the phone, having too good a technology. I also just finished watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film that went direct to Netflix that was produced by Fede Alvarez. And boy... What a piece of shit that movie is, to the surprise of absolutely nobody. That movie was as bad as it looked in the trailer. It couldn't make up its mind about what it wanted to be. Do we want to go after Gen Z and millennials? Do we want to do a David Gordon Green 2018 Halloween rendition film? We're going to bring back the original final girl, the original survivor, have her come back and face off against this new leather face. Oh, you don't even remember me, she says in the film. No shit, you look like an old hag now. You look like a witch, okay? They should have called the movie Witch vs. Leatherface. That's what I would have done if I'm marketing that film. Kim Hankel, one of the original producers, apparently produced this film as well. They're trying to market it as like a true sequel. You know, all those other sequels that happened in between. Toby Hooper's own Texas Chainsaw 2, which was an even better revenge film, and uh, at least amusing. Nope, that, that's inauthentic. Viggo Mortensen and Ken... Kentotis Forey fighting Leatherface. No, no, no. That's not real either. Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Nope. It's this one. It's the ugly girl. What's her name? Ugly girl. Eighth grade. You know? I shouldn't I shouldn't call a little kid ugly or whatever, but it's the truth. Some people are just born ugly. Uh, they brought her in, and she's one of the Gen Z kids and on the bus, and there's a girl who she's her sister, and they don't look anything alike. They, I mean, hardly even look like they're the same race. But what does that matter in a Netflix film in these, 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 these depressing days of cinema? So this was the worst movie I've probably seen this year. It's 2022. It is early yet, so there's plenty of opportunity for a, a movie to usurp it. 
I did watch a short film called Mass Ave on HBO Max, and that was also horrendous. Didn't really seem to have uh, much in the way of story or character. It was just hung up on delivering a message, which is, uh, can you believe the police are like this? Can you believe the police are bad? It's a racial profiling short film that they added for, I think, Black History Month, and it's from this year, and it's so pointless. Uh, grandfathered in there. And the one thing that I can say of benefit to it is that it only ate up about 14 minutes of my time. So it's not worse than Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix right now, which was a whole 80 minutes. I mean, that, that, was, that was actually hardly even... Uh, I, I mean, if we're thinking about the credits, where they seem to have put a hundred times more effort into those final credits than they did the movie itself. The credits looked like it belonged to a cool Stranger Things version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the movie was just uh, a big old dud. I guess they shot it in Bulgaria. A lot of people were upset about that. I could give a shit. Fucking Texas, oh, what, tumbleweeds? A little bit of dirt? How hard is that to... to if, you, if you can save money in Bulgaria by shooting in Bulgaria, go shoot in Bulgaria, okay? Just make it look fine enough, you know? And in this movie, I don't even have a problem with... with clearly what our stages these days I, you know it, it looked like uh, how the west was won where they would just set up saloons and whatnot it looked that's how it looked that's how their version of texas looked it looked like the old west in a 1950s tv show which in 2022 i'm like that's great that's fantastic look at that production value yeah you didn't go to texas but who cares you did all this this is a lot better than a green screen this is a lot better than some studio in new zealand that you know weta effects are going to be tinkering with for the next seven years cool count me in so that movie mass ave um what else did i see let me just pull up my list right here of the movies that i watched from 2020 oh right this is one this one's a little embarrassing this is another netflix film i and i i don't feel particularly proud to admit that i put this movie on uh but i did put on home team the kevin james taylor lawton who, who did taylor lawtner play in twilight now wolf boy the wolf boy from Twilight is in this movie playing a coach. He's like 40 now. He's, he's my age. Uh, Kevin James, King of Queens, and Wolf Boy, and Rob Schneider, who's like a cucked out stepdad kind of fellow in this movie, and I guess most movies. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're doing their thing. Happy Madison has been making the same exact movie every year since 2002. So it's exactly what you would anticipate. Horrible. Uh, next, Ray Donovan, the movie. Ray Donovan, the movie, went direct to Showtime. Showtime's trying to get, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, foot in the water as far as, uh, oh, we're a film distributor, too. We're, we're, we're legitimate. A24 sold some weird Colin Farrell uh, robot movie to them recently called After Yang. That looks horrible. That's really going to be the recurring word of this little opening here is horrible because nothing is good anymore. And the uh, Ray Donovan, the movie, you know, this this frustrated me a little bit because I made a joke on Twitter maybe about seven or eight months ago when I was made aware that there was going to be a Ray Donovan movie. I said, "Uh oh, Mass State Lottery has some competition now because Ray Donovan is a Boston character. And they do indeed go to Boston in the film and they shoot in many of the same exact locations that we shot in for Mass State Lottery. There is a, 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 a moving shot of John Voight walking into South Station, which is where everybody comes into Boston if you're taking the train. And, uh, it, you know, we did that shot. We did that shot ten times over. 
But when he goes into South Station, they do a hard cut, and suddenly he's in Grand Central Station posing as South Station, which was such a amateur move on behalf of the filmmakers and Showtime thinking they could get away with that. Grand Central Station is one of the most recognizable train stations in the United States, if not the world. Uh, it, it looks like an opera house. It's just pure gold. It's beautiful. It's the only beautiful sta- train station in New York City. Um, I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that. You know, South Station, by comparison, is mundane. You know, it just kind of looks like uh, TD Bank Gardens. Very uh, dull. There's big, big TV screens everywhere. That's about it. Cool. Uh, so this Ray Donovan movie, I never watched the show. I watched maybe like an episode or two just casually because it was on TV. I never paid attention to it. I don't know the storyline. I don't know anything about it. So it, I, it, the, the way that these TV movies that serve as send-offs typically go is it's just an extended finale. And then they market it as a movie because they know they can draw an audience that never tuned into the show, like myself, uh, when it comes time to premiere on the network. They did that with Hello Ladies, the Stephen Merchant series. They did that with, um, what was a gay program on HBO, Looking, that Andrew Hay did. That was a pretty good show, too. So it was, I mean, Hello Ladies was fine. Hello Ladies was enjoyable, but Merchant, he suffers. I mean, they, him and Gervais both suffer from not working with each other, and I guess they're just sick of each other. They hate each other's guts. They don't want to do anything with one another. But Merchant could really stand to benefit from going back to Gervais. Uh, next up, these are arguably not even films. They're arguably not even documentaries, but they're on here. And um, I watched the Sam Hyde iDubs crossovers, Getting Away With It, which was iDubs documentary, and O-Dubs, or Zero Dubs, which was the Sam Hyde version of that, where he seemed to, or at least, I mean, this is how it looks in retrospect. This is maybe not how it looked in the moment. How it looked in retrospect because of how iDubbbz played it and how he chose to edit his documentary makes it seem like Sam Hyde panicked because there was too much silence on iDubbbz's end and preemptively dropped hours of footage from iDubbbz taking a trip out to Providence, Rhode Island to um, focus his, his camera and attention onto the creator of Million Dollar Extreme, Sam Hyde. Now, for those who don't know who Sam Hyde is, he's a provocative comedian from the Internet who had a hit, it was a hit, uh, Adult Swim program, Million Dollar Extreme Presents World Peace, that was canceled, um, allegedly, it was half bullshit, half reality, the reasoning for why it was canceled. Um, Sam was flying off the handle on Twitter over politics, mixed that in with some lies about what was going on in the creative of that show. And it was enough for them to pull the plug. And it was very unfortunate. That show left a mark on, I think, a lot of the creatives in my generation and the culture itself. And it would have been great to see that flourish. But that's not, that's not what was in the cards. And um, it seems like every, each of those three members in Million Dollar Stream just decided to go their own way. With Sam being the most creatively active one. Establishing an entire operation. You know, we've had some people he's worked with on this show before. Don Jolly was one. Though Don Jolly had his own kind of operation with Encyclopedia.Zone. Nobody seems to have heard from him in quite some time. Hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's alive and well and more alive than any of us by being offline. And then uh, William Kyle Girardi, who uh, worked as part of the Com 98 operation. 
So, um, uh, you know, it, th- these documentaries are pretty interesting if you're uh, if you have any sort of um, fascination with online comedy. Because iDubs is another guy who certainly, you know, he's more conventional YouTube. If you think about 2015, if you think about 2014, you think about his relationship with Joji, Max Mofo. Those three, those three guys during that time were, it was almost like a little blip of new jackass or something. Watching the vomit cake videos, them hanging out in Australia and fucking around. And somehow H3H3 is, you know, peripheral to all this, hovering around this. I was never a fan. I was hardly aware of H3H3 until that very dull podcast came about. So uh, iDubbbz in his own right is kind of this um, notable comedy figure of the new internet. Not dissimilar from Sam, but Sam had mainstream success. And the idea that Sam Hyde seemed to have in his head when he was releasing his version of the experience with iDubbbz is that iDubbbz was going to Providence to make a documentary about how he had fallen off. So kind of a content cop thing. Now iDubbbz would put out these videos maybe about, oh, close to, probably close to 10 years ago now. Um, Probably 2015, 2014, 2013, where he would go after certain YouTube creators and uh, show you that they're a hack. And my opinion was these were very successful videos up to his going after Ricegum, who was an Asian YouTuber. He seemed to have lost the plot with that one, and Ricegum gained significantly from it. He became much more of a popular figure as a result of that content cop, and that was it for a while from iDubbbz. I think that was the last one for a second. And then he took a turn a couple of years later into doing more thoughtful documentaries, and that's what getting away with it seems to be more in vain of, where he goes and investigates old internet characters like Dax Flame. You know, because there is this portion of time that we're still kind of figuring out what to do with. Where YouTube's in its infancy, the internet is still young. You know, it's that message board, MySpace, early YouTube era. And I'm particularly uh, keen to delve into that and and draw from that and um, maybe find out what the aesthetics of that are that will be probably returning soon since we're in this cycle of, um, you know, self, self-suck, this self-suck cycle where we just worship the past and take from the past and try to make it part of the present to make it feel more like the past, but it doesn't work. So um, Sam's documentary seemed to be a bit of a gotcha piece on iDubbbz, catching him off guard with certain things and um, just playing a lot of practical jokes. And I remember I was talking to Jay Canrahan about this and, and somebody else, because they had watched the documentary as well. And it seemed like, well, is iDubbbz actually believing this shit? Because a lot of this you could just probably very easily debunk with a, with a Google search. It's like, wh- wh- I mean, he has his own company, Com98. I'm fairly certain you can find out what the actual you know, res like what, what the studio, where that studio is. It's all probably public. Um, and he didn't really think to do that. He didn't really seem to look into doing any, any investigating before going out to Providence, which was um, you know, very generous, I guess, of iDubs because he got played like a fool. He looked like a big dummy. 
in both his, I mean, especially in his version, because he didn't seem to hide the fact. He wasn't um, protective of his ego at all with his own doc on the surface, with his documentary at all. And he, he very much so showed that he got duped by some actors that Sam Hyde had hired. So this is all very interesting stuff. If you're intrigued at all or a fan of that sphere of things, if you're not, then these aren't even, these are just, you know, videos on YouTube. This is not a real movie. This is not a real documentary, even if they are feature length and they're well edited and put together well. Um, if you if you are into that sort of thing, they're definitely worth a watch because very few things are worth a watch these days. Now, I did mention Jackass before and said that, oh, yeah, the vomit cake era with Joji and with Max Mofo and anything for views and those guys, um, you know, it had a, a flair Jackass to it. Well, that maybe had more of a flair of Jackass to it than Jackass Forever. Yeah, I just did that transition. Jackass Forever I just watched recently. And, uh, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder about this movie. I'll fully admit that right now because they cut out Bam. And, yes, Bam is an alcoholic and apparently a drug addict, and he's just a fucking mess. And he called the director, who is a white man, certain N-words you're probably not supposed to use, and he got a restraining order against him because of that. But he's still one of the founding members, and he's number two in line after Johnny Knoxville. And the, the thing that Bam also did, was that he brought a bunch of guys over, and he brought certain traits from CKY over and into Jackass. So without that, it doesn't feel like complete Jackass. It's like, all right, well, you know, you love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, I can give you a jelly sandwich. That's what Jackass forever feels like. We don't have Bam. We don't have any of his crew. Ryan Dunn is dead. And then you, they, they threw in a, a bunch of new people. So it's like, all right, we, we got jelly here. And I can probably, you know, what I could do is I could, like, throw a couple of almonds on that jelly. And you could do the jelly and almond, just full almond nut sandwich. That's not very appealing. The most uh, charming member of this crew is a man named Poopies. And that's really just because he's doing it like a dumb surfer guy, Chris Pontius bit from 20 years ago. So what, I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? Jasper from Odd Future? Did he even do anything? Did he just show up? Did he Was he just hanging out? But he's a member of the Jackass crew now. Some other guy's dad, who's just like fresh from prison, that guy is more of a Jackass member than any of these fucks. Rachel, Johnny Knoxville's new new pet girlfriend. Uh, cool, great. So she's going to do the lighter stunts, right? Because Knoxville's trying to get his dick sucked on the regular by, by hiring a girl he can work with and fuck. That's what that's what's happening there because they're going to do Jackass five six seven. What they're going to do all these new Jackass movies now because they have these new people and they're just going to go, hey older people, whoever wants to show up, show up. You're hired. You're going to get a paycheck for this. Great, peachy keen. Okay, whatever. Ah, excuse me, had to take a sip of Red Bull there to keep myself energized, fueled. So I was very disappointed in that. I did laugh. I did laugh throughout Jackass, but. The, the big thing, the biggest problem, I think, with these new Jackass movies, and by new, I mean, you know, the, the second latest was 10 years ago, 12 years ago, Jackass 3D. I think that was 2010. The higher the budget and the more cinematic Jackass gets, the less in spirit of that original property it becomes. So cut the budget. Keep the stunts very simple and cheap. You don't have to go crazy with it. And, you, you know, you'd probably have a much more, um, I guess... Uh, a better film with stronger integrity to what you created 20 years ago. 
Uh, Jackass number two, for what it's worth, best Jackass film. Can't recommend that enough. Jackass number two. Jackass 2.5, also very good. Jackass, th- uh, you know, three is kind of where it falls out. 3.5 ain't too bad. And then, uh, obviously, the original Jackass is uh, terrific. Maybe second in line to Jackass number two. So the other films that I've watched this year, Kimmy, Steven Soderbergh's new movie, which went direct to HBO Max. And it's kind of a COVID rear window thriller with Zoe Kravitz, who is a good actress. Uh, I was kind of unsure about her for whatever reason. For you know, I I I, I believe the hype that uh, was on Twitter that she was a terrible actress. So when I saw her announce as Catwoman for the Batman movie, which I have no enthusiasm for, I have no hype regarding that film. I was kind of like, ah, oh, that's a bummer. But no, she was good as the, and you know, she held her own here in Kimmy. It, but again, it is a COVID film, so that element of it, that aspect of it, is pretty exhausting. She's a hypochondriac and a, a kind of a Howie Mandel, where she doesn't want to leave the house or take her gloves off or anything like that. She's very spooked all the time. But it's uh, it's enjoyable for what it is, and for uh, you know what is a free movie, even though I'm paying twelve, fifteen dollars a month. However, however HBO Max is, uh, you know, not not worth your time. So the next is also Shutting, which we did a full show on. Not that long ago, and I'm not going to really talk about that. But I will say that when we were talking about shutting recently, Hans and I in a private conversation, he had felt that he had gone a little half-assed in his review of shutting, which could be because he was drunk, could be because Jake was on the show and he didn't want to offend him because Jake has credit on the movie. Uh, Hans is certainly guilty of doing that from time to time. Although, I, you know, it, it doesn't make sense why. Because he's so unabashed otherwise but he didn't really like this shut-in movie and i he doesn't feel like he expressed it well enough during the show so maybe we'll revisit that at some point when we do a vincent gallo acting retrospective and for what it's worth the movie that we just watched this week i watched this with hans and jerry is a film is a world war ii film released this year called war hunt war hunt stars mickey rourke and robert nepper from uh, twin peaks to return and this was a little surprise because it's not a good movie. It kind of feels like a a uh, reasonable horror film set during a war that would have been released in the 1980s or 1990s. It's got 1990s style action to it, but the general type of film it is feels very of the early 80s, where you would get a washed up famous actor like a you know um, Kirk Douglas was doing these films at the time. John Cassavetes was doing a couple of these films where you just grab someone who might be affordable and is a name and throw them into a schlocky horror film and do your best with that. Uh, that is really what made War Hunt as charming as it was, and I, I enjoyed it. And the fact that they... I mean, they didn't go all out necessarily, but they definitely tried harder with that movie, which is about World War II soldiers in, um, in Poland navigating the forest, trying to get back to their base or whatever. Um, and they encounter a paranormal force, which apparently is like witches or sirens or whatever it is. Um, they decided to use a bunch of practical effects in real locations, and they kind of pulled it off for the most part. The worst of it is some CGI crows that turn into smoke. You know? That, that sounds fucking terrible. I'm just saying it out loud. It sounds atrocious on the ears. But War Hunt was, was fun. It was not Night Walk. Okay? Night Walk... Is fun in a different way. War Hunt is whatever it is. So that was one of the more enjoyable films I've watched this year. 
And that just about sums up the 2022 movies before we get into Batman Begins tonight. Again, I do want to apologize for the audio on this episode because it is not the best and we're going to have that fixed up for the next show. So listen, um, we're going to be talking about the, the Nolan trilogy. And I think we're going to turn this into the same run of series that we did with the Burton and Schumacher Batman films before. So if this goes well... We're going to do Dark Knight. We're going to do Dark Knight Rises. We may even do that Gotham Knight anime film, which exists between Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. I would enjoy that, I think. Um, I mean, I'm not rushing to watch anything animated these days or even anything superhero-related, but I do have a soft spot as far as it goes for the, the Batman series. Although, again, I, I probably said this at the beginning of the opening here, I'm not all that interested in the Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves Batman movie that is coming out in a couple of weeks. There's just something off about that. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, they got a Little Caesars promotion. Who the fuck is going to Little C- You're Batman. You're going to Little Caesars to promote your movie. You can't, get, you can't get Papa John's. You can't get Pizza Hut. You went to Little Caesars. That makes me feel a little funny about this film. So we're going to talk about the Batman at some point. I don't know if I'm going to theaters for that because I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to get kicked out for things, for political discriminations, you know, for my body, my choice, whatever happened to that. I don't know. But I hope you guys enjoyed this show tonight. Um, I'm kind of excited to get into the dark night next week because when I, I mean, I'm going to be saying this during the program, but you're going to get fresher, fresher audio quality from me right now. Um, it was not what I remembered it being. Maybe I had a new set of eyes, a new mature set of eyes on Batman Begins, and it made me realize this is a pretty childish film. This is pretty, pretty kid-friendly, even if it's not that friendly to kids in its aesthetics and its choices to not include Batman in the first 50 minutes of the movie. Uh, by making Liam Neeson with his shitty mustache and his bad outfit and hairpiece the bad guy and not somebody who can dress up like the Joker... But I, I do have a lot of memories for this film because I was part, I was so online in the early aughts wanting that bat. And I've talked about this so much before on these earlier shows. I made up a rumor. I made up a rumor that Christian Bale auditioned for Robin and Batman Forever. I lied. I lied on a message board and it caught on and it wound up getting back to him where some reporter heard that fact. Because it was just circulated enough. I made this up. I felt so proud of myself going to the comic book store one day. Uh, New, uh, New England Comics in Quincy. Walked in there. Picked up, I think it was a Starlog magazine. This was right before Batman Begins came out in theaters. And somebody was interviewing Christian Bale and said, So, you're now Batman. You did audition as Robin in 1995 for Batman Forever. Is this true? And Christian Bale was deeply offended. He said, I would never fucking audition for Robin. That was my first experience of being like, wow, you can really, you can, you can impact, you can impact the world. I mean, this is pretty stupid. You can impact the world. And you, it doesn't even take that much. You can really have an effect on, you just had something get back to Christian Bale, the new Batman. And this is 2005. Well, we're not over celebrities just like we are today. We're that, you know, facade of, Ooh, the aura that's there did not quite fade yet. I was, uh, I was wowed by my own abilities with that. I was really surprised that worked out that way. Um, and I, you know, I, I would check those message boards religiously. 
to see who was being cast as who, what who the villains are going to be in the new Batman film. I was a hardcore nerd between the ages of like 10 and 15. You know, before I started getting some pussy. And I got that and I was over. And I became a man. And my voice changed to what you hear today. Um, so, I, yeah. I mean, Batman Begins was, was you know, it was, a, it was a rough time. It was a rough time without those Batman. A lot of people say, listen, there's too many Batman films. When was the last time we went without a Batman film? Six months? We do get them. Well, well, you know what? We haven't had a proper solo Batman film since Dark Knight Rises, right? I mean, a lot of people want to consider Batman v Superman 1, and I certainly do because his name comes first. Justice League. We had a couple of versions of Justice League, Suicide Squad. It's all these characters. Um, and, it, it, you know, it creates a nausea. You know, it builds up too much. Start ma- starts making you sick. But during that time... You know, my thirst was not being quenched. I needed that Batman film. I needed a desperate... All we had was Batman and Robin. So what would I do? I would go on fan film websites and try to convince myself that this fan film that some 23-year-old college student just made with his friends and DSLR, like a Sony Handycam, is definitely Batman 5. Batman Beyond Year One, Aaron Aaron Shanky, Shanky, uh, who would later go on to make a career out of fan films. Um put out this Batman Beyond fan film called Batman Beyond Year One, sold a DVD of the making of it for $20, and I bought that shit. That was on my shelf the week it came out. I was like, finally, we have something. You know, that's how I wound up with Death of Batman, which some grown man just sent me in the mail. It was a BDSM Batman film. I'm a 12-year-old boy watching that, trying to tell myself it's the new Batman. Um, Just pure... Pure stupid nerd desperation, which seems to inhabit a lot of 33-year-old men these days. See, I went through that phase when I was 12. And a lot of men, they're 35, they don't have children, they don't have wives. They wear Captain America t-shirts from Walmart that shrink after two washes and hug their soft bodies. And then they go out and pay $32 for tickets to go see the same movie over and over. Isn't life grand? I love this country. I love it dearly. And I love what it's become. I'm so proud of all our corporations for doing their part. Now, the first step to that path, that utopia that we live in now, is probably this movie. It's probably Batman Begins, unfortunately. Sorry, Christopher Nolan. I know you were trying to do something different there. But I think, I I don't think we get to where we wind up going without the significance of this film, and especially its sequel, the reinvention of the event film using the superhero IP and franchise model. So let's get into that. Let's go talk to Hans. I miss Hans. I wonder what Hans is up to. I want to go have a chat with Hans. So, oh, one other thing. Patreon.com slash Laura's exclusive episodes uh, via video and surfshark.deals slash Laura's. I think that's what it is. Or alternatively, surfsharkvpn.com slash Loras. Check out. Oh, no, no. That ain't even it. I'm fucking the Surfshark. I'm going to lose this sponsor tomorrow. Uh, go to surfsharkvpn.com. Check out with the coupon code Loras, and you're going to get 83% off your VPN so you can go visit all the illegal websites you want, and I can stand to benefit from it. Uh, alternatively, go to surfshark.deals slash Loras, and that will just do the same exact thing for you. Okay? We're going to have a link in the description. If I can remember. All right. That's been movies and enjoy our upcoming show here. Yeah.
just wanted a little refresher because I haven't seen it in, I don't know, five years maybe. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it was very evident that the, how much the world has changed in what, 15 years? ish 16 17 how long has it been 2005 17 years right around that time uh because it it feels like watching uh and i i guess we we've gotten to that point it feels like watching an 80s movie you know it feels like very much a product of that time 2000 whatever it was 2005 uh, june 15th yeah, that, 2005 i skipped school that day to go see batman because <laughs> Because I remember it being darker than, than this is. And I, I don't know if I just have the influence of maybe the next one. Uh, but this wasn't as dark as I remember. And some of it is actually kind of goofy. Uh, there's a couple yeah. of very Mortal Kombat-like uh, special effects that I, was like, that I was like, oh, oh no, why are they doing this? Like when he's with the League of Assassins is being trained by, by Ross. And then at one point, his eyes turn like gray. And he was very Raiden-ish. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't remember this. Because the, the Scarecrow stuff still looks all right. Like, that 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 didn't put me off at all. But the scenes when he's becoming a ninja or whatever, they do, like, a blur effect around things because he's having anxiety or something. It's he's very early Adobe After Effects, very paranormal yeah. encounters. That, it that dated it immediately. Yeah. yeah, it dated it to like when this came out. So I, it, it just felt kind of weird that this is a movie that I remember seeing. Maybe not not as an adult. I don't even remember, but well, I, think I, was I was like 15, 18, 19, maybe. I was about, I, oh. I was 15, I think, when it came out. And you're a bit older than me. So you were probably I don't about think 20. I saw it in the theater. <clears throat> no, I think I was. <laughs> 2005? No, I was like. Yeah, like 17, 18. Uh, but yeah, it felt. It I don't felt know if the really math really works see... out with that, Hans. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me do the math. Hold you on. don't know how old you were in two thousand five? Is that what you're trying to tell no. me right now? Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. I on this viewing that I just had earlier this week at Batman Begins, I had the same exact reaction that you're talking about right now, which is that. Oh yeah, this is not that dark or gritty. This is just kind mm-hmm. of uh now keep in mind, um the the Nolan films get more and more well actually that isn't true. I was gonna say they get more and more grounded in reality, but it really comes back around for Dark Knight Rises where that feels funny. maybe the most <laughs> yeah, it, it's maybe the most comic booky of the three, maybe. I'd have to go and rewatch it now after Batman begins. Batman Begins yeah. almost feels like some kind of cross section between the Burton and the Schumacher films. That was that was my feeling of it. Yeah, um, I li- I like a lot of it. I I I don't dislike it. It it just gave me a really weird feeling that a movie that I remember seeing as a twenty year old feels a little dated now. You know, mm. it feels a little okay. Yeah, so this was a while ago. You know, it's not like I, I put it on and was like, yeah, this is present time, and and. Uh, not even 20 years ago and you can already see the the differences i guess i don't know i guess everything is just advancing and changing so quickly that this doesn't feel like a dark movie anymore uh even though it was like the start of that superhero thing right where they make them darker more grounded um but yeah i i I mean i enjoyed it but 
yeah there, were, there was a couple of times where i was like oh a couple of, of lines too that were very cool oh, god, I was like, yeah. oh ah yeah there's a lot of that and i did not remember that on the i mean on any time i've watched this probably about five or six times since it came out in theaters and i always knew that christopher nolan you know he would throw some lines at actors who they just needed like a sag card or something urgently hmm. uh right. where God, what is the, I mean, No More Dead Cops is a go, go-to go one for The Dark Knight where he gives them to people who do not know how to deliver lines. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of comedic versions of that in this movie where it's like, uh, uh, you know, what, what, what does the car look like? And then you cut to the car going through a parking garage, destroying the wall or something. And then he's like, ah, oh, never mind. And you're supposed yeah. to laugh in the theater. It's yeah. it's like oh this sucks this is bad and then <laughs> Killian Murphy Killian Murphy I remember being way better as Scarecrow in this movie than he I mean he's kind of fine but the dialogue they give him is so childish yeah. where he's yep. just mumbling Scarecrow to himself in a straitjacket at a certain point and it's like what this is a psychologist who's been mm-hmm. you know mentally uh, manipulating people to to do whatever he's just a sicko. But it's all so, so kid friendly, and I, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I remember at the time people were talking like, "Wow, finally we got an adult drama," for Batman, and it's like, what? What's it, what's yeah. so adult about it? Uh, uh, Liam Neeson's hairpiece, that horrible fake mustache ah, they throw on him, <laughs> the little <laughs> sword patch, spike. yeah, that horrible James James Gunn haircut they gave mm-hmm. him. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know I I, I um, and and then I started thinking okay so what what other dark superhero movies have we gotten since this so you have this trilogy right and then I guess a couple of Marvel I don't even know one of the Thors was maybe dark and then you get what uh, Logan yeah. right I don't know I didn't see the second Thor I don't know no it, they they brightened it up they did elves as the bad guys for that one. Oh, okay. So I don't even—I can't even think of one dark Marvel movie that's not like Logan, or, or I guess not dark adult, not for children. I guess. Um, well, I think the Netflix shows gave the impression maybe. that there were more of those, and there actually are. Right. So I mean, not—I mean, certainly not within the Marvel Studios framework. The the most adult version of that that's been in a film is probably Iron Man, that first or second Iron Man. And that's not at all. Maybe yeah. maybe Cap the first Captain America just because it kind of you know attracts old people because it's World War Two, nineteen forty civil Civil War because it's kind of like not about superheroes at all. It's like a spy movie, I guess. I wouldn't even say that because they're just. I mean, a good third of that movie is them fighting on a tarmac. That's that's, that's built just for action figure sales. Uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much of that movie yeah. that's not a, a movie. It's just a cutscene in a video game. So what is it just that at, at this time the the superhero or comic book movies we had were too cartoony so that this in comparison felt dark and adult is that what I think I that's think? a lot of it I think if you you think about the time the big movie was Sam Raimi's Spider-Man that came out in 2002 and that was certainly bright and it did have an air of adult or whatever to it in the same way like the Tim Burton Batman but it played to kids as easy, if not easier, than it did to the yeah. adult audience. And so Batman Begins is the first 
stab at doing something that seems geared toward an older audience primarily. There is so much of this movie that would probably be boring to small children. Like, if you took me to see Batman Begins when I was a Batman fan at age, like, four or five, I think I would feel really tired in the theater. I think, okay, there's not a big flashy, all right, we got Scarecrow. He's on screen for, what, six minutes? So I'm like, where's the man in the costume? Where's the bad guy in the movie? It's just this Liam Neeson. It's the guy from The Haunting. Yeah. So... Uh, and, and you have him overseas uh, training to be a ninja. He's with mm. the League of Shadows for about an hour of the film. You don't yeah. see Batman until about the 50-minute mark. It, it's clearly intended for that older audience that grew up with the Burton films and went through the Schumacher films and were gearing uh, up to, to be in their 20s and, and maybe 30s. So it's the first real step we see in reconfiguring the superhero model Away from small children and more towards millennials. Or child adult. Yes. Before <laughs> the adult well, children. The adult children weren't there just yet. That's gonna be another right. another seven Five. years. I think twenty twelve is really when you start to see the Disney adults um, you know, rise and, and become more prominent figures with you know, you have uh the end of the Pixar era with Toy Story, et cetera, in like 2010 or 2011, as soon as, um, as soon as they finished with like Up and Wally and Toy Story 3 and started doing, we're going to do Incredibles 2, we're going to do Cars 3, 4, 5, when they started doing the sequels and then uh, Frozen and, and all that right. stuff, which are Frozen Pixar. 2 and yeah. whatever TV show is on Netflix, that's the animation, but it's a side character, like you do with like a, what's the... Uh, Ice Age, where now there's like a new Ice Age movie, but it's only on streaming. It's about a minor character that we had on the movie for like a minute or two. Right. Just expand that, yeah. So as soon as they veered into, I I guess, Integrity Second, which, you know, with Disney, you can't even really say that, but I think there were certainly people who gave a shit about what they were working on during that time uh, and coming up with original stories or ideas for properties. That doesn't seem to be the case really any longer. They're just hung up on extending the universe and building franchises within a greater mold. Um, you know, once that fell to the wayside, they had to teach them, oh, yeah, remember that thing from when you were a kid? We're bringing it back. Even though it's only been away for about six years, we're bringing it back. Nostalgia. And so it's just looping people back in that way, and they become more comfortable with not maturing as human beings, as adults. It's easier, too, because that's all they do. It's just, <clears throat> we're not really going to introduce anything new or interesting. It's just uh, a lot of, hey, remember this thing? Hey, I remember this character used to have this in the original series? Isn't that right. cool? And then there's not nothing of substance, so they don't really do anything interesting with the characters. That's why I'm a little hesitant about uh, Beavis and Butthead, that even though it's a it's a concept that you can't really do wrong unless you don't do what the concept is. Uh, and the fact that they're making them old now, all right, fine. But I, I'm just so um, disappointed with everything that they that the industry has tried to revive or redo that. Mm-hmm. After watching that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre trailer, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I had any hopes, you know, <laughs> that any of these things would be good. Um, 
it comes out on what tomorrow i think texas chains should we do a show on it on, yeah yeah it comes out on my on 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 friday um and uh that trailer looks like shit is, i uh, i told you guys called... i've been i've been telling you yeah it's just called texas chains massacre i think i've been telling you guys since that teaser image that was like oh look how creepy that leather mask is and i'm just like ah i don't know and then that trailer is just exactly what you would expect from a 2021 22 horror movie it's just a, just a guy wearing a mask made of, out of skin and then everything else is just generic whatever who cares well, I mean, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series to begin with, that's not really, uh, you know, the fault of nostalgia killing out. They just don't seem to know how to make one of those movies at all. I mean, yeah. if you take a look at Texas Chainsaw 3D, I think there might have been a sequel to that or, or something that was planned. There was a Leatherface one with uh, Stephen, not Stephen Graham, Stephen Dorf, Dorf um, which got like pretty Dorf. good reviews. <laughs> You know, we mentioned Steven Dorf like five times in this <laughs> podcast. It's one of the most mentions he's gotten in any movie podcast. He needs the help. He was supposed to come back after True Detective Season 3. It didn't work out for him. They fired Nick Tizzolato because that's how bad that season worked out for most people. They didn't like it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's all going to be bad. I think the expectation should just be anything corporate is going to be pretty detestable. Um, and it shouldn't be the surprise of anyone. As far as Beavis and Butthead goes... I don't think that's going to be great. I don't think that's going to be terrible either, though. I think the, the lazy be... version would have been to just do what they did 15 years ago mm -hmm. uh, and bring them right back and have them try to exist in the, the current landscape. I like the fact that they're doing a movie, so it's one-off. It's going to be its own thing where they're going to be old. But then I also read that they're going to do a series, too, and they're probably going to have them as the characters oh. you recognize. That, that fucking sucks. But, I, you know, how much money is too much money? For, for anybody, Mike Judge, no integrity. That's what that's that's my opinion anyway. Well, but it's also I hate how before the one thing comes out, they already have a fucking universe planned, yes. or or uh, whatever comes after is already planned, and, and then your plan. But then they don't put any effort into making the one thing that's going to sell everything good. Cowboy Bebop is a Bebop is a perfect example. I remember the one of the writers or someone that was related to the to the uh, production uh, on Twitter was like, I hate that you guys are not going to be able to see season two. It's amazing, whatever. It's so good. It's one of the best things I've ever read, whatever. And it's like, all right, well, if that's true, then why didn't you focus on making season one good so we can see season two? You know, why are you focusing on making season two amazing when season one was so underwhelming and whatever? They thought you know, it was I they, I, I think the people uh, who worked on that show genuinely believed they had something really bad, and they fucked damn. it up. I, I'll tell you what, I have <laughs> gradually warmed to Cowboy Bebop, the Netflix show. How many rewatches? I haven't rewatched it. I haven't. I, okay. I rewatched it sometime after I finished it, um, when I got back to New York, sometime after Christmas. And I like how terrible it is. I like how awful and corny it is and how fucking bad the acting is and the costumes are. And I like, here's what I actually like about it. I like that it's over. I like that it's just contained in this little <laughs> yeah. 10 episode. And I can go, that happened. I can go hop back in the, into that and have it on my TV as like a nice screensaver. And it's just terrible. And it's great that they fucked it up. It's, it's fantastic that they mangled this so poorly into something that is so yeah. memorably bad. And that's all it should be. That's it. You don't need season two. You don't need any more. You don't need a, a movie to try and fix it because they're just going to yeah. continue to fuck it up. 
Um, and that's why I was so upset the other night when we were watching War Hunt on Civic TV, which is coming back soon, that I lost my bid on eBay for the four-year consideration season one box set of Cowboy Bebop, which no one will be able to sell. You're not going to be able to buy it um, in any sort of, uh, you know, Amazon or, or shop or wholesaler. And uh, it sold for $50. Now, I could buy it right now for $245 on eBay. I'm not going to do that. God damn. That's no. a little too much. Is there any special features or No, anything? no, no. It, it's just the thing they sent out to the Screen Actors Guild so they would vote for for the Emmys or whatever it was up for Golden Globes, like I, it might have been for your consideration right. DVDs. So anyway, let's get back. Oh, well, but, but but yeah, but that's the that's the mentality that bothers me though. Where um, there's not really that much effort put into making the one thing good because they think that just the hype or just the fact that it's like a a known property is going to make it or, or make people like it. So then they start planning off this extended. It's like what they did with the with the Universal monsters. It's like mm-hmm. one movie came out, or maybe not even that. A trailer came out, and they're already thinking, okay, well, we're gonna make six, seven movies without. Well, they know, got the cast. If- they got the cast of those six or seven movies, put them together in a room, and then put it out on the Hollywood Reporter cover saying, "Dark." Universe. Yeah. And then the first one comes out and it's a bomb and it's like, oh, never mind. Forget about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, then there was a soft yeah. attempt with Dracula Untold with Luke Evans and that didn't work out. They, they planned mm-hmm. some seeds with that movie. And they're like, all right, well, we like the idea of bringing back these universal monsters still. Well, we'll try the mummy. And we got Tom Cruise. What can go wrong? <laughs> well, they, they mangled that as well. They made a big mistake with that and uh, set up Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They had Johnny Depp signed on for The Invisible Man. He's not in that movie, I'm fairly certain, but he showed up for the, the photo. And then that didn't yeah. work out. And so now... Oh, I forgot that The Invisible Man is related to that, too, because that feels completely... That's take like three. Like a different tone. It feels Invisible like a completely Man, different tone than the other ones, yeah. The, the one that came out with, what's her name? Um, is it just Elizabeth Elizabeth, Moss? yeah. That is the, the third stab... <laughs> At trying to get that right, and that was critically well received enough where they're gonna make some low budget indie, you know, uh, mainstream monster movies. They got Derek C in France and Ryan Gosling to do Wolfman next, so they're going like oh, the Invisible Man sensitive. died. What are they gonna? Didn't he die? In that he movie? did die, he but you you get to remember so it's just the, her. She puts the suit on. <laughs> it's now the a invisible man. Invisible woman. <laughs> it was really like a tech company. He was a sociopath. Yeah. But he invented the suit or whatever. So you can put that on anybody. And then they're the invisible man. So, or what, uh, I think they, yeah. maybe at the end they try to undo it. Like maybe he's alive. There's footsteps here. That, he could be alive. That's that's one movie that I tried rewatching just to see if I if I was going to get that. You know. Oh, you know what? It's not it's not as bad as I remember it. Nope. It's just I I hated it. Bad. Like I couldn't. It's it's bad, and I I'm still confused by all the praise that it got up to this day because it's like oh I this is not purposely bad like Matrix is supposed to be or like Matrix like people are defending the Matrix like that or malignant. It's like no no this is supposed to be terrible on purpose. So that's why it works. And it's like oh, I I don't know. And then this one that's supposed to be good or great and then i just like there's nothing about it that i enjoy the cinematography is fine i guess but especially if you're trying to make a universe of this of this uh characters like how does that fit with a dracula 
untold character that's beheading people back in I don't know the 1800s or whatever. Or, no, no, I think what they might here's the what eight, they should do. 800s. <laughs> they yeah. should go back to Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula and retcon that into the universe and just bring back Gary Oldman with that big bouffant hair. Yes, yeah. the big brassiere on his head for the entire movie. That would be great. You, know, you do that and you grab yeah, yeah. Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which was Robert De Niro as Frankenstein. De Niro, yeah. 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 Bring in those two and then you're all set. You got your universe. What would be the point of, of making an old Frankenstein monster? <laughs> <laughs> well he wouldn't be old he wouldn't be supposed to be old, but it'd be like the Irishman where it's just it would actually kind of work oh, yeah. out because then, you know, his body would be so stiff because he's close to death in reality. But right, yeah. I think yeah, it could I much. think it could play just just as well. Uh now as far as your franchises go. Obviously, Christopher Nolan had a very successful three-film run. Technically, there's an animated film somewhere in there, Gotham Knight, which is supposed to bridge the gap between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. He had nothing to do I with that. I hate that. You didn't I like it? That. No, I hate when they do that shit. It's like, oh, you're making me watch extra stuff so that your movies make sense together? Fuck off. It's like Star Wars. It's like, oh, did you read the 10 books of this character yeah. that we saw for a couple of minutes, well, they explain every hole the that this canon. movie has. And it's it like, helps. fuck you. No. He battles yeah. Killer no. Croc in it. There's Deadshot, a white version of Deadshot. I, I have it. I have a Japanese version of it because I think part of the movie is anime, or it is entirely anime. And it's uh, I, the one thing I really dislike about it is the fact that they... It's supposed to be Christian Bale's Batman, right? So it's... Technically supposed to be like a 27-year-old Batman, 28-year-old Batman. And they got Kevin Conroy to do the voice of everybody's Batman. America's Batman. Kevin Conroy from the animated series. Rock has Easter Island head Kevin Conroy. (laughs) (laughs) Who's got the voice of a 60-year-old man. So it doesn't work with this fresh-faced young fella. Even when he's trying to do like the smoother, younger Batman voice. It's not good. It's one of the... I mean, it's not one of the worst animated films that they did. There are some pretty bad pretty unwatchable i tried watching injustice the adaptation they did of injustice and that's whoo that was that was horrible yeah. um but as far as when they when they the mortal combat were with our... yes they did a, a 2d animation version of that that they released in late 2021 and it's on hbo max and i decided to try and watch that and it was not good of course they haven't made a good animated feature since I think Gotham by Gaslight, that was the last one I remember them landing the, uh, you know, nailing the landing on. Was that after the Night Night Dark Night Returns? That was. That was about 2016, 2017. Yeah, remember how, how they fucked up? Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> Killing Joke was so yeah. bad. I went, look, <laughs> I was excited for the Killing Joke and I got tickets because they did, they put it out in theaters. That was the one animated yeah. film that they put out in theaters. They were that confident in it. And, and then it's like, wait, this Batgirl for 40 minutes? What is this? <laughs> you get an opening with Batgirl. People were laughing in the theater. People were outright laughing in the movie theater. The, uh, they, they came up with this brand new opening that they were going to attach to the killing joke. 40 minutes of Batgirl fighting a villain named Pierre France. And he's a sexist. He's a misogynist. He's like, ha ha, you're pretty hot, babe. You want to go on a date? 
And then she's like, oh, I just wish people would take me more seriously. And then she sucks off Batman. She, she unzips Batman and sucks his dick, his bat dick on the roof. That's what happens. Bat, bat dick. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's just pointing straight up out of the oven. Yeah. It was a sight to behold. So when you yeah, get so people, that. People, people who are laughing at the movie where the Joker crippled uh, Commissioner Gordon's daughter. <laughs> That's that's who who it is, right? He shoots her. Yeah. So people were like, "Yeah, all right. Well, that's 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 when you know you've done a good job." Um, <laughs> when when a very serious, famous storyline from the comics, people are just openly laughing. The most adult Fan, fans are openly laughing. The most adult mainstream comic book where the Joker cripples her, strips her nude. It's implied he rapes her, and then shows the photos to her father, who's nude. And paraded around a bunch of midgets in a collar, like a very BDSM yep. situation, Joker on FetLife.com situation. Yeah, um, this is the one where we're just gonna insert forty minutes that don't exist in the comic here, but they could do know, that. Girl fighting the patriarchy. <laughs> they could do that right now with Jared Leto, and I would believe it for that Joker. That seems his cup of tea. You get J.K. Simmons nude on the ground on his knees in a collar that's the dc universe of the future yeah jared leto starts rapping uh, <laughs> on top of him <laughs> it'll be no it'll be like that rick ross video they did with jared leto where he's just intimidated by a bunch of like black miami rappers in the joker maybe what the strip club have you not seen this no <laughs> you get, no. all right what? this is getting demonetized this will be uh fucking <laughs> copyright claim but look it up right now they, they, around the time of Suicide Squad Rick Ross put out a music video where they're in a strip club and Jared Leto's just looking stupid as hell as the Joker it's the purple Lamborghini around. yep that's Skrillex right and Rick Ross alright hold on <laughs> Skrillex who, lo- who loves 12 Rules for Life had to get his 12 Rules for Life autograph recently So Hans is just looking up this music video right here. Maybe we should just make this the theme of the, sh- the podcast from now on instead of some obscure anime music. Okay. Rick Ross dollar bills. This is good. A pony. Some uh, women in leather. That's always, uh, you know, rousing. <laughs> Little Joe, who's the size of Skrillex, walking into the strip club. <laughs> Yeah, he's like slightly smaller than him. <laughs> five one, five three. Mm-hmm. Rick Ross is rapping. Should I just mute it? What if I just mute it? I don't need to. I'm not getting any sound anyway, so it's better that. Oh, okay. All right. Oh man. Obesity. Oh, that's the. Isn't that the guy from that famous gift where a girl is like, um, she's uh, rubbing her ass on his belly. That's always no. Joker esque is to just it's put your mouth it's in from uh, yeah no, I do you remember that, that show where the the show where the um fuck what's his name um that actor that has the big teeth that was on Celebrity Apprentice um on Celebrity Apprentice actor from the eighties actor Gary from the eighties Gary Busey his son his son was in a show that was like a like a or like something related with Juggalos or similar like that. And I think that guy was on, on his crew because, you know, he's not doing great. What's his name? No, uh, Jake Busey. The last thing Jake he did was, was Hitcher 2, I think. I think he, he yeah. popped in on an episode of 
uh, like Better Call Saul or something. He did one episode of that show, maybe, or some other show. He was playing some like prick businessman who was also a misogynist. Yeah, this is this is. Um... Yeah, it's bad. All right, we're, we're, we're good here. I, I think we're all done. They wanted to do like a Spring Breakers kind of thing with Jared Leto's Joker and Rick Ross. Sucks. Rick Ross hanging out with, with the little Skrillex. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about that is that nobody's intimidated by Jared Leto's Joker in that strip club. Just nobody cares. Just like well, he, life, nobody cares. He's wearing a fucking... Bugs Bunny as the orchestra leader tuxedo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that short? That very famous cartoon short where he's just... Yeah, that's what he's... No one's going to respect that. He's got damage on his forehead. No. Why would a, a gangster respect that at all? Gangster. Goof, g- gangster cuckold Joker. Again, this is the mm. same man who tries to get comedy to, to molest Harley Quinn. That's what he wants. Yeah. And he gets upset yeah. with himself about it. Release the air cut, right? That's the next. That's the next. Have fight. you seen the clips that have come out from that? No, I I saw a couple. So they did a very poor job of masking certain things. So there's a scene that I've seen on Twitter from the theatrical cut and the extended cut that they released on Blu-ray, where Joker does something, he blows up something, and saves Harley Quinn from the Suicide Squad, whatever happens, and then um, he. He makes a romantic notion. He's like, oh, I've got uh, a bottle of grape juice and a bear skin rug on the helicopter. And then, you know, when I was watching in the theater, he's like very clearly ADR because his voice sounds a little... He does the thing that Sean Fury did in that music video where he changed his voice from the cadence that yeah. was happening in the moment where he's like a little bit smoother, a little bit... He's thinking about it. You know, he's thinking narration mode. Jared Leto does that and then Harley Quinn says something and he hardly see her mouth move at all. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 this was very obvious. How how do we not notice this on the first viewing? And then in the actual cut, he's just, like, um, very pissed off at her and swearing at her. And then he drags her on top of the, on the helicopter or whatever. So uh, the relationship – I mean, it's not any new information that they changed the relationship for the theatrical cut, so they're more of a, a, a dynamic duo or whatever, uh, like a cutesy – a weird, unconventional hot topic couple when an actual white theater, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that yeah. that was Ayer's thing. <laughs> Ayer right. wanted to make it outright that Joker was just a total piece of shit to Harley and hated her, but needed her for something. So there's a lot what of clips that have, um, I think, come out over the past week that have indicated that there is an Ayer work print that is finished. That if HBO Max wants it, they can put it out. Uh, what do you think? Would you be? I mean, we're, we'll definitely make an episode if this comes out. But I, I, I don't know really, if it's going to be that different. That's the thing. I, I don't care. I guess I don't know. Well, that would be. Long. Yeah, I like, see. David like, who, Ayer who's thinking about fucking. Yeah, who cares? There's David another Ayer's new, not a the new same. one that. Go, go on. I was going to say he's not the same kind of workman that Zack Snyder is. Zack Snyder went yeah. back. And had a different movie to begin with, and then shot like an extra hour and a half of new shit. That ain't David Ayer. David Ayer wrote Training Day. Has he directed a good movie? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he. Maybe End of Watch. Someone could make an argument for. I like End of Watch. Like that's nothing to write home about, though. So I. I don't know. I don't know if the changes would be that significant enough to warrant a. I mean, if it comes out, I'll. I'll take a look at it. I don't care. If oh, that wow, Joel, we're epic. <laughs> I don't 
if it's over two hours, I might have to think twice about it, to be honest with you. Right. I, I, the, the one thing that Suicide Squad has going for it as of right now is just, it's short. You know, it's only an hour and a half. So yeah. I would be more interested in probably seeing that. Have you seen people uh, saying release the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever? No. What? Well, there's a there's a version of Batman Forever that is maybe a half hour longer and has some alternate takes and is mildly less campy. Would you say that's the worst Batman movie? No. I I think that the worst Batman movie is probably, if it's a live action one, is probably Batman and Robin. Really? Batman, Batman Forever. I mean, it really depends on what your priorities are with watching that movie. Because yeah. Batman and Robin cracks it up enough where you can't take it seriously. Batman right. Forever kind of tricks you a little bit here and there, makes you think it's a serious movie sometimes, and then other times just as a cartoon. Yeah, uh, I there, there's things I like more about Batman Forever than I like about Batman and Robin, though. Even though I, I think Val Kilmer is a charisma back oh. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I don't like that one. <clears throat> and uh, because it doesn't have that line as obvious as Batman and Robin, where yeah, this is just a campy you know, a, a more colorful version of the 60s series and take it for what it is. You know, the, the fights are all incredibly choreographed to the point where it looks like a dance. Like no one's mm-hmm. actually hitting anyone. Like it feels like that. So, so to me, that extra step that he took because he did both of them, right? Yep. Yeah. That extra step of like, all right, we'll go in full end. I enjoy that one more. I think Battle Forever I've only seen like three times just because I feel like it's such a slog to watch. Like yeah. it just drags. When we did the episode like, on it, it was it was real. I and mean, I got the the 4K Blu-ray. I was like, "This is gonna look great because these these are colorful movies." And no, yeah. no, it, it was just whatever. Um, they yeah. didn't remaster it or anything. It's just the original 35 millimeter print um, that was put in theaters. But it wasn't impressive. When I put on the two Burton films in 4K, I was like making out little details in the matte paintings and everything else. There's so much effort put into that and that's not to say that that's not the case with batman forever maybe they clean it up and i'll notice that Uh, it's got some interesting cityscapes and you know even though it's clearly a good chunk of that is clearly just on a sound stage you know all the rooftop scenes with nicole kidman and uh (laughs) pat hangle as commissioner gordon but yeah i mean that's not the the real sky at all that you're looking at right right (laughs) yeah so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would probably have to rewatch Batman and Robin again to give you a, a, a real comparison between these two. But my gut instinct says Batman Forever is better of the two uh, right. just in terms of watching it. Which brings us back to yeah. Batman Begins after that little 25-minute excursion. Now, between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins, I was, I was fiending for a Batman film. That was half my life at the time. Eight years, no Batman. That's a tough period to live in. That's when I started accepting those movies in the mail from people on message boards. That's how I got the death of oh, Batman. Yeah. yeah. Cause I don't know. I've never been much of a fan, to be honest, of Batman. I'm, Why? I like the I like the animated series, but I, I've always been more interested in like side characters or characters that are not really big. So like Namor was a huge uh, uh, the Submariner was a huge uh, character for me when I was a kid, or Hawkeye, or like Iron so, Fist. Well, you and, you were uh, more Marvel, it sounds like. Yeah, 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 yeah not yeah, me. Much. I like Spider Man. 
but I was really big on Batman to a lesser degree. I, I, I was also really into the Superman comics of that time um, when they decided to do the Death of Superman arc. I was kind of predisposed to liking comic books because my uncles and aunts or whatever gifted me a bunch from the 70s and 80s before I was even born. And I had some action figures and all that. And one of the, the first comic books I had was uh, Death of Superman, uh, and Gotham by Gaslight. They gave me that graphic novel as a small boy, which is Batman taking down Jack the Ripper. So uh, I was a DC kid for certain. And I was also kind of loosely into The Flash because they would play... I mean, The Flash was over. The TV show, The Flash, was over by the time that you know, I was uh, cognitive enough to make my own decisions in terms of what television shows I was watching, but they would rerun it on Sci-Fi Channel. And I remember really liking that the tone was similar to that original uh, uh, Tim Burton Batman film. They had Danny Elfman doing the score to the show, and the costume was similar enough. The rogues were always not well done. Uh, the best was probably Mark Hamill's Trickster, somebody like that. Uh, for the most part, I, I was really hung up, though, on... Batman. I really enjoyed the animated series. Rewatched Batman '89 probably probably over twenty times before the age of six. So, uh, you know, during the time of Batman and Robin coming out to theaters, which I saw in the theater, it was the first movie, first Batman movie I ever saw in the theater. I remember loving it when I was six or seven years old. Um, then you revisit it, and you're like, "Wow, no, this is this is clearly very different from everything that we got at the beginning." That time in between felt like forever, felt infinite. And I remember going when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, just going to the message boards every day, hoping for some kind of new information to come out on what would be that fifth Batman film. And we got for a long period of time, it's going to be Batman Year One with Darren Aronofsky, Frank Miller's co-writing the script. And there's also this other Batman Beyond property that they might pursue with um, the guy Perfect. who did, uh, who wrote Punisher 89, uh, Boz Yakin. Oh, I right. believe his name is. He, he was going to direct the film as well. He did remember the Titans. He's, he's a teen film director. So they thought, all right, Batman Beyond will be good for him. Go to a team, Batman Beyond. Well, I guess he was kind of a team, right? To be honest, yeah, he was. It would have. It would have. Could have worked. Who would you cast as Bruce in that? Um, because we well, know that you would obviously cast, you know, Spider-Man kid as Batman. Obviously, what's his <laughs> yeah. name? Uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Of course, that's who's Star of Uncharted now. hit film. Uncharted. Little Batman. <laughs> what you yeah, could do is you get Mark Wahlberg to play uh, Bruce Wayne in that, and it's just Uncharted yeah. too. Uh, I, I, what are you asking? Are you asking as of like 2000 or, or now? Yeah, as so of like 2000. And why would it be Bruce Campbell? Because that's like the only <laughs> <laughs> that's like the only option for me. Just like a, actually like burnout is Bruce Campbell as that old gray hair uh, Bruce Wayne. I think would be good. I I, <clears throat> I don't know. I think I, I feel like he's one of the most underutilized actors because he's so charismatic. Even now that he's like fat and old. Um, but yeah, I would like to see him as like an old Bruce Wayne. That'd be cool. How old is Bruce Campbell? Is he sixty yet? He's like sixty something, probably. Yeah, let me see. I don't. I don't know if Bruce Wayne is the 
the role 63. for him. Maybe when he's like 80 or 90 or something. But he has like, that phase that looks like that cartoon, though. Like right. let, let me pull up let me pull up a Bruce Campbell right now. Uh, well, his general look is that of like a 1950s hero. Right. You could cast him as Superman. You could cast and, and if you ever wanted to do like a vintage DC Comics hero film, he would be the guy to do it. If you want to do, I don't know. Uh, if you if you want to do Shazam, like a good version of Shazam, not the Zachary. Yeah. Ah uh, well. Now he's he's too. I don't know if he could play it serious. I would I would consider it. But well, I can't find a picture of him not smiling. <laughs> that's the thing. But okay, maybe something like that. Yes, that's very pixelated. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. He does have the look. I'll he, give you that. He has that look. Yeah, he's got a very square face that looks just like that animation. Uh, mm. And I just I've I've been wanting him to do something big for so long even though like his entire career has just been like oh that guy from you know that little scene in that movie that i like uh and uh yeah i, I don't know i've always enjoyed him uh briscoe county jr is a very underrated show that nobody talks about he's great in it i think so, that was the same time block as the flash on cbs which i was talking yeah. about while you were away so right they yeah. could have done a crossover mm-hmm. with those two would have been great would have been great john wesley ship has a kind of Bruce Camp, modern Bruce Campbell look, but he's got a much squarer face. Uh, if who would I have cast at the time? Ah, uh, God, uh, George C. Scott. There you go. The last year of his life, playing Bruce Wayne, very angry, very upset, angry. All the time. Yeah, just upset Bruce Wayne. His daughter is getting fucked on film. <laughs> <laughs> it's Batgirl, you know. That's right. the killing joke. Yeah. You just do that storyline. She's getting fucked on film. After that Frenchman makes fun of her, so she's like, "I'll, I'll, I'll show him." Like doing that bukkake <laughs> scene that's gonna be shown in this dirty theater that my dad is gonna see. <laughs> so I, I would have been interested to see how they would have pulled off a Batman. I, here's the thing: now I'm not as interested in seeing what that looks like because it's a lot easier to imagine how they would pull that off. But if you think yeah. about what Batman Beyond could have looked like around the time they're doing the Matrix, and it's cemented in that little 90s era where it's probably not good at the time but then you revisit 20 years on it's got maybe a johnny mnemonic vibe to it that could have been latish cool. yeah yeah so yeah well that uh you wanted to do an episode of superman superman lives. To, right that's the documentary that i think kevin smith was in well, it, there's a there's a good writing. documentary which i got a special thanks in at the end of the credits because he paid for it on kickstarter.com i chipped in 10 bucks or something to get my name on there uh that was directed by john schnepp who died he was the one redeeming member of that collider crew and once he died the entire fucking organization sank into the ground it's just that angry guy who got very upset at red red letter media that one time because he's so john campia or something he's so embarrassing that guy's different that guy is also really bad christian harloff is his name Oh, I don't know who that is. I don't think. If you but, type uh, in his name right now, he looks like a prick. And he's the one who got really upset that they made fun of him because he was a Oh, fan yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that guy sucks. Uh, anyone that's so passionate about this goofy shit that we watch, or like not even that we watch because we talk about all kinds of movies. If you're so passionate about fucking 
Star Wars, where you, you get that upset about literally anything that can't come out of that, where you're just yelling. And like, if anyone makes fun of the fact that you're an embarrassing man baby that's upset about something Star Wars did that you don't like, and then you get more upset about that, it's just like, well, why would anyone listen to this person? No. You know, how does these people have an audience at all? I don't get it. Because they got in at the right time and had enough money where it was looking impressive on YouTube for 2014, 2015, if you had a studio. I guess I just, I have a big problem with people that just can't laugh at themselves. And every mm-hmm. time that someone says anything critical, I take it like a personal attack. It's just like, just. It's not like, it's, it's not even just like <laughs> an annoyance that he got attacked. He was yeah. like screaming and he, shouting in a real way, in a real yeah. unstable way very uncomfortable making everyone in the room just like uh just yeah here we go again another another one of these embarrassing fucking by the way that reminds me i was watching sweet anyway this is right in the realm of things actually i was just watching um michael rosenbaum's podcast on youtube michael rosenbaum played lex Luthor on smallville and he had the guy who is the current what's his name jack reacher on amazon okay and so this is a dude who took Tom Cruise's place. He played Aquaman once upon a time, and they decided they were going to give the Aquaman TV show to someone else, even though he played it, and it was right. supposed to be the same character or something. I don't know. Did you ever watch that pilot? I did. It was bad. Lou Diamond Phillips oh. and Ving Rhames. What was Ving oh. Rhames thinking doing that? Oh, it was so bad. He felt like a like a the OC, but with like like a little bit of like superhero like yeah. that. There's a, there's a very distinctive look to TV shows from that era. Uh, Smallville, I don't know if you've revisited Smallville at all, but if you watch it, uh, it kind of takes you back to, like, I, I, was, I was never a fan of the show. I think I've only watched, like, a handful of episodes when it came out, but it's very much of the time and the way that they would handle superheroes of that time. So when you watch it, you're just like, okay, so this is early 2000s immediately. Uh, and that show feels so much like that. It, it kind of feels like they were trying to do a surfer ninja turtle type of thing with that aquaman and it was just so awkward like they didn't know how to do any of this stuff to like the line between you know goofy cartoony and i guess kind of serious even though he did have that orange suit right right they didn't want to commit to it being a superhero show because i think they were very conscious of a female audience so they wanted it to be a teen drama but even if you right. go back to Lois and Clark on ABC, I think it was, that was far more comic book cartoon friendly for that time than maybe even Smallville was up to a, up to a point anyway. I feel like those first couple of seasons of Smallville were very teen drama first, yeah. uh, Superman second. Mm-hmm. Now, what I was about to say, though, is this Jack Reacher guy. Started talking about how he was, uh, you know, bipolar, tried to hang himself with a belt or something. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? I don't want to watch Jack Reacher if this guy is a crazy psychopath. Why Why are you talking about or, this on this podcast? Or do you want to be just maniac Jack Reacher, just killing people for pleasure? He's like a big guy, too. He's not like yeah. little Tom Cruise. Either, no, right? listen. So. If you had a reality show with cameras in his home yelling at his wife and shit, I might tune into that. Look, I'm not above tuning into that. But is Jack Reacher? He's I, how's the uh, how's Celebrity Big Brother going? By the it's way, almost over. Like on episode eight, episode eight or ten, I think. I saw it's, it on my torrent site today. There's six like, people oh, left. They, uh, yeah. The Celebrity Big Brother is um, a lot faster than regular Big Brother. 
Six people left. Chris Kattan quit, and then they evicted a couple of Real Housewives or whatever. And uh, it looks like it looks like um, some UFC fighter woman might win. Otherwise, it could be Todd Bridges from Different Strokes. He might just accidentally He's luck still into around. Him. Yeah, nice. He's, He's the in one there. that made it from that show, right? He's the, the one who made it. The, <laughs> one, the one who lived. <laughs> the boy yeah. who lived. Everyone else died on that show. Dana Plato was yeah. the first to go. She tried robbing a fucking liquor store and OD'd in her trailer. Gary Coleman fell down the stairs and then drowned or something. And then uh, Conrad Bain lived to 90 because he was fucking old to begin with and then died. Yeah. So... I don't know. I Todd Bridges living his best life in the Big Brother house, I guess. That's right. It's either gonna. It could be Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom is Khloe Kardashian's ex. Yeah, Lamar there. is there. Yes, he's on the show. Has he done crack on the show? No, it's not yet. <laughs> but he's uh, he's at the final six or eleven people. He does not know the rules to the show with five days left in the game. He's been saying, "All right, so we vote after the competition, right?" There's five days left. In the, they've done six evictions so far. There's five days left. He's asking questions like, so the the winners voted for at the end of the game? Isn't yes, it great when an, that's, well, that's right. Isn't it, isn't it great when an athlete is not like practicing the sport and then you just get to see the real person is just like, oh, my God, <laughs> you're actually kind of a retard. <laughs> like if you were not athletic and like – had that giant body and like yeah. you would just be, you know, homeless it, probably. He does, he does not know how the show ends. It's just a surprise to him each week as the same thing happens over and over. Uh, he he said, so how? So hold on, you're telling me I can't win the show if I'm out of the house? Yeah, yeah, that's right, Lamar. That's good. Yeah, Lamar. You're catching on. I want to see. I want to see Lamar in Survivor or like. Naked and afraid, you know, something that depends on him actually doing things. You gotta do something. You gotta work. You have to, to think. Get to it. You can't yeah, just yeah, hang exactly. out. You have to. Yeah. Right. You, did, so, you can't just uh, live with your person. Uh, popularity is not gonna save you. Like Big Brother, do they still do the voting? Like full oh, yeah. voting or? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Big Brother plays out it's pretty similar to Survivor, but you Big can definitely. <laughs> I said Big Brother. Don't don't read the <laughs> no, captions down here. Those are coming up for you. No, it, it plays out right. pretty similar to Survivor with different competitions, and they do the vote each week. But you can definitely coast for a long time doing nothing at all. And Survivor, you, you got to do something. So Lamar yeah. Odom, if you're just no noticed on mm-hmm. on Big Brother, there's people just... they'll go to the kitchen and just cook food for people and be like, "I'm going to hang out here till the end of the show," and it works. People have won that way. A lot of a lot of redundant players win the show on Big Brother as opposed to Survivor. Um, but yeah, Lamar Odom's been very, he, uh, you know, he had to go to the, what they have is the diary room where they go talk to Julie Chen, who's the wife of a disgraced CBS owner, Wes Moonves. And, um, they do their, their evictions live. And she said, all right, Lamar, who do you vote to evict? And you're supposed to be in and out of there. Cause again, this is a live show. And he mm-hmm. was just biting his fingernails and eating his fingernails and like, putting it on the couch where they all sit Ew. down, just doing, doing that over and over. He did this for maybe about 45 seconds. And I don't even know if he said a name to a Vic, but they had to get him out of there. We'll that's... vote for you, Lamar. <laughs> oh, we, yeah, that's fine. Just, just go. 
So <laughs> this season's been a mess. This season's been a travesty, but I hope someone like that, I hope he can just casually waltz into a win. That would be very amusing. Um, yeah. Now, as far as, where was where are we going with this? Oh, right. Jack Reacher, Michael Rosenbaum, Smallville, right. Batman Begins. Smallville was around the same time as Batman Begins. What the last project was before Christopher Nolan signed on to do Batman was Batman v Superman. And they teased that in I Am Legend. It was supposed to be Colin Farrell as Batman. It was supposed to be Jude Law as Superman. And the bad guys were going to be the Joker. And he had electronic bees. And uh, Lex Luthor, I think. Could have been. I don't like that at all. (laughs) Here's what happened. That sounds terrible. The Joker. And this takes place in the same universe as the first four Batman films. And I think the new Superman is different. So uh, the Joker comes back from the dead with electronic bees and kill. Batman's retired and is about to get married. And the Joker uses one of these electronic bees to kill Batman's wife on his wedding Mm -hmm. day. And Batman. Talia? Or is it just like a random whatever? Just a woman. Just some woman. Cool. And then uh, it turns out like there's clones or something. It gets pretty wacky. And Wolfgang Peterson, who directed Das Boot in The Perfect Storm, was supposed to helm this movie. And it was written by Akiva Goldsmith. He says so many things that don't go together <laughs> at all. Like mm-hmm. so many just random, that just feels like a the person that's making the decisions of selecting people that are going to work on this are kind of not or don't really have an idea of something that works because everything you just said sounds awful. Colin Farrell as Batman, okay, fine. Jude Law as Superman, he's too small. He has no hair. He has my hairline. You don't want a bald Superman. Probably <laughs> not. Give him a... No, and he's British too. Like that. Well, I guess, I guess, what's his name is well, British is, too, right? Is, you uh, hide all these things with acting. Uh, right. you know, even though you're bald, you have a full <laughs> head of hair. Almost as the character right. Devlin, your vision does not quite yeah. work as well as Devlin, as well as it does in the real world. This is acting. We put a hairpiece on Jude Law so he looks yeah. like that robot in AI, and suddenly he's the Man of Steel. That's how that yes. works. So that would have been yeah. that would have been horrible. Obviously, it probably would have uh, resulted in the franchise dying again. Then Christopher Nolan signs on around two thousand three to do a movie that was originally called uh, the David Goyer's script, I believe was originally called Batman intimidation game. And the code in production was intimidation game because they didn't want people to know that this was a thing that was happening. And we had Joshua Jackson, Christian Bale, Killian Murphy, and Hugh Dancy, Hugh Dancy and somebody else who's a heroin addict. And his whole career fell apart, but he came back for the Hunger Games and got back on track for a second and then fell off again. The, who's this actor I'm thinking of? Uh, they all auditioned to play Batman. Killian Murphy was a runner-up, but he's got these big, juicy lips. It would be so obvious. He's Batman. Well, like, it's like uh, Val Kilmer, too. So and Michael of, Keaton, actually. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. They would have thought it was one of those guys. No, it's Killian Murphy. Who was a, well, who was a crackhead? That, who? I don't know. Can't think um, of that actor that you're trying to think of, but he was in a, a movie called. Wait, Joshua Jackson was, yeah, going to be bad. <laughs> but from yeah. Party of Five, that's great. Dawson's Creek. That's a Joshua. Oh, Dawson's Creek. Yes, whatever. Same thing. Uh, 
that that's little fucking well i don't know if he's little he just looks little uh wes bentley's the actor um instead he wound up doing oh, dolan's I, cadillac as a stephen king adaptation with christian slater dolan doc's cadillac dolan yeah. doc's cadillac it's a great, it's a great movie mm. very inspirational film he plays a sex what's track. the <clears throat> what's the one that had uh one of the Wayans brothers as Robin? That was gonna be Batman Returns. The gear one? Oh, Return. No, it was Batman Returns and they fit there was a costume, there was everything, he was ready to go, he was ready to do his scenes, he was on the set, gets residual checks, an action figure was point uh, put out uh by by Kenner and uh they had to paint it white after the fact after he got fired. Oh no. But if you look you at the serious? figure, he's got black Black guy hair. Look it up right now. Robin Batman uh, returns action figure, and uh, that was a missed opportunity. Oh my god! It's got a flat top. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> White boy Robin here. Yep. <laughs> That's great. He's got a 2022 haircut from White Boy uh, on. So is that what? That's someone's out? fan. Yes, oh god, that yeah. was horrible. Unless someone just painted it. Yeah, so that was going to be Robin and Batman Returns. And I don't know how that, I mean, well, there, there's a whole clown and circus element. It makes more sense of why are there all these clowns and weirdos and circus freaks hanging around after the Joker um, and with Penguin and all that. You could, I, I would have been curious to see how he gets fit into that. I haven't read the um, production script of Batman Returns that they wound up going with. But I did read an earlier draft. It was just called Batman 2. And it was written by Daniel Waters, who did Heathers. And it was more about, uh, it was originally Harvey Dent and uh, the Penguin. And I think Catwoman had a small role. And then it was later, the Max Shrek character was supposed to be the Penguin's brother. And it was pretty different. It was much more campy. Which is, Yeah, yeah. It could have been <laughs> Batman High, Gotham High. Clone High, yeah, yeah. So, um, by the time we get to Batman Begins, well, let's talk about the casting of this film. Because I, I like some of the casting. Some of the other casting is very questionable. Also, you have that residual Joshua Jackson factor with Katie Holmes in this movie, who is also mm-hmm. fresh off Dawson. Didn't they date on Dawson's Creek? Was Christopher Nolan really about to just do a live-action Dawson's Creek in a Batman film? He's a huge Dawson fan. Where is James Van Der Beek? Um, was he, he's going to play the Riddler. <laughs> Harvey Dent, maybe. Um, so you, you, you got you have, Kane Watanabe, you got Michael Kane, Liam Neeson, Gary. Did Oldman, you ever buy for Julian a second that Ken Watanabe was the real Raz Al Ghul? No, no, of course not. No, he's fucking Chinese. horrible. No. They they put out an action <laughs> figure and everything and said Raz Al Ghul. Oh, and here's Henry Ducard. The action no, that figure. was last. That was last. Uh, wait, let's see. Gore. I tried. The Asian Russo last LR. I can I can make those jokes I'm Asian. Uh, you got Rutger Howard. Rutger Howard. Uh, I really Rutger, need I, I really like I really like Tom Wilkinson in this. Really? Uh, I think yeah. he sucks. I think he's horrible. Really? That fucking <clears throat> terrible New York accent. I I think the fact that they didn't go 100% Italian stereotype. I I kind of. Enjoyed. I don't know. I did fast forward through a lot of his dialogue, though, so maybe that's why I enjoyed him. But I like the fact that he wasn't like a, a threatening-looking 
character you know just like that older guy that you've seen in other things but, but he I doesn't, guess maybe well, he doesn't even look bad. like the roman from the batman year one com- the john yeah. turturro version that they got in this new one which i'm not really looking forward to at all for whatever reason you're not a, no not really uh, it's got a funny vibe about it i like everything i've seen with the trailers i haven't seen anything that looks bad but right. i just have a weird vibe about the movie i don't know i'm i'm more worried about the director yeah. i think i like Maybe i, I like the cast a lot I like the cast a lot. I think that, that cast is, if used properly, could be a great Batman movie. I don't like his movies. He's not uh, an auteur. He doesn't have yeah. a signature style or anything. He's not. I don't think he's put out a bad movie that I've seen anyway. I mean, The Fall Bearer is a classic with David Schwimmer. But I haven't been all that wowed. You know, I enjoyed that first Planet of the Apes with James Franco and uh, Tom Felton. Much more than the other two with Gary yeah. Oldman and um, Russell uh, Jason Clark. Jump the shark with the other two. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I think they were let fine. Me in. But let Me In had good production design, had good aesthetics to it, but uh, it was unnecessary ultimately. That's all. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So and Cloverfield I, I, is a product of its. Did he direct guess, Cloverfield? So. I thought that was yeah. Drew Goddard. No, that's. But IMDb says he directed uh, Cloverfield. Hmm. Well, that he wrote, it, wrote it. That always hmm. felt more like J.J. Abrams' baby, anyway. Where yeah. the producer's the actual voice and, and person steering that ship. So also, you can't really you can't really uh, implement your style into a found footage movie, or it would be very difficult to do that. I think. Uh, Adam Green did a found footage movie, but what what he did was just implement an a, a artist. Fuck, what's his name? This bald guy uh, who Alex who does Party. a bunch of like really yes, him. So so he implemented his monsters into his own world. I I, I actually enjoy that one more than I thought I would. I, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's like a mockumentary where he's looking for these monsters in the wild. Adam Green was digging like, up the crew. marrow. I think is that one. The... Yeah. And it had Ray <clears throat> Wise, I think. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. From Satan Reapers. from Reaper. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's... <laughs> I've known for Reaper. <laughs> for playing Satan in Reaper. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he did a good job with that one, implementing those little monsters there, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know. I, 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 like, it. Look, <clears throat> I like Adam Green more 10 years ago, maybe. Um well, his segment. His, his what's that? Hatchet. Yes. Adam yeah. Green? Yeah. Yeah. Hatchet. Adam Green. Um, Hatchet his segment. One, I guess there's like in, five of them now. <laughs> yeah, I think there are five of them. I think he directed all of them except the third one. Um, I'll tell you what. I remember listening to his podcast he does with Joe Lynch, who's another director. Um, he directed Everly and Wrong Turn Two and a couple of other movies. Oh, he did the. What I probably actually like most of his is Truth in Journalism, that Venom fan film with the guy from True Blood, where they just copied Man Bites Dog, but with Venom, with Eddie Brock. So they they did a podcast, and they were talking all the time about this sitcom they did. And I was like, this guy did a sitcom? And it was just like his own little production house directing episodes of the sitcom called Halston. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard of it. Well... There's what, two or three seasons, I think? There were two at the time, and I think like a Christmas special or something. But I really enjoyed 
the creative dynamic between the two guys, and they're talking about working on production for these films that they both had going on, and then they would also go and do this Holliston uh, sitcom, which would go to FearNet, which is like the first horror network of the time. It went to Comcast. Now, unfortunately, it's all shit. It's almost all shit, but I really enjoyed at the time listening to the creative process, and I was very inspired by that, and that gave me the initiative after uh, failing with Practice Makes Perfect, my, my first time trying to do a feature, to go and do smaller stuff. And that was kind of a, um, you know, a, a good uh, pathway for me to get more creative or, or not have a very rigid idea of um, how to handle something creative in terms of filmmaking. So I, I really liked Hatchet the first time I saw it. Hatchet 2, I, I remember liking mostly. Uh, digging up the marrow is where things started to peter out for me because it felt a little too self-sucky because he's playing himself as himself. He's got his wife yeah. in. And you can do that, but I think you got to be able to balance it correctly. And I, I liked Alex Party a lot at the time. Mm-hmm. And now, just because nerd culture is so yeah. main, like the, is the thing, I it just nauseates me, unfortunately. I really liked his art back in the day. I, I probably don't now. I haven't looked at it since. Um, it's probably still melty and weird still. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. That guy feels very, I, I, he's not the same guy at all, but for whatever reason, I, I just associate Alex party and his art with, uh, Epic mealtime, Harley okay. Mortensen. Just yeah, like, yeah. 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 Just all the same era and a similar looking guy, backwards, baseball mm-hmm. cap, a little husky beard. beard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we watched Chillerama when we were shooting mass state lottery the first time in early 2020 and his segment of that is probably one of the better ones right i don't even remember that what was, what was that, that was we watched that was one of the last things we watched at the bnb that had eric roberts in it for a second and uh that had the sperm segment which was oh, not his okay. that was adam rifkin i think and his segment was not the gay one the gay one was so poorly done and shouldn't have been in the movie. And I remember him saying on his podcast he was embarrassed that that segment was in the movie and wanted to disown it and have a cut without that that short. And I don't blame him because yeah. that was horrible. Yeah, I don't even remember that. That's completely erased from my memory at all. Yeah. You don't remember the monster movie with the giant sperm that overwhelms the town and eats people? No. Well, that's probably for the best. So I checked yeah. out the recent hatchet he did, Victor Crowley, mm-hmm. and uh, no, not good. And it looks really bad. It looks like he didn't do color correction or anything on it. It looks like he just gave it to some junior editor. That's which... disappointing because that's, that's the one thing I liked about – I think I have hatchet actually. I think I bought the DVD and everything because it felt like, <clears throat> like he was just taking this – well, he created a character, right? Like mm-hmm. a Louisiana – backwoods that's always or at least that's always been interesting to me uh redneck monster thing but um that the first one at least feels like such a personal project for him like you can tell that he's really trying to to make this ridiculous slasher killer movie uh there's a lot of really interesting creative kills in it yeah but once I started seeing that there's like more than two sequels to it, I was like, oh, that's, that just sounds like, you know, there's it's a brand there. And now it's completely watered down from what it was on the first one. So I haven't really 
seen any of them, but I can't imagine the what fourth or fifth one in the series could be any good. No, probably not. Um, and it, it just looks worse. And there's a he did a movie called Frozen, which is more of a thriller. And that one, I, I oh I my really god, liked. I enjoyed oh. that one. You didn't like it? What? You did? Yeah, I did. So you you when it came out because that movie is so it's been a while. <laughs> it's so you should rewatch it. It's one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I remember I wanted to really like it because I like the main char- actor of it. I think, but Sean Astin. Every oh no 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 not Sean Astin. Oh. I'm sorry, Sean Ashmore. What's his name? Maybe. He played Iceman in the X Men movies, right? Oh yeah, no, I I don't like that guy either. So I don't know why I, I wanted to like this. Maybe I wanted to like this because I liked that in Green at the time. Um, right. And it's just it's just very dumb. Like everything that happens, it's one of those movies where uh, everything is very convenient. Like things happen because they have to happen for the story to move forward. And I, I was, you know, by the time they started jumping off the thing, I was kind of like, yeah, I'll die. Just I want you all guys to die so that this ends and whatever. So maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just my my bias that I didn't like at the time, or maybe you should re- revisit that and see if because I just he remember. Never... That. He didn't cross over at any point into anything mainstream. I remember he talked about yeah. on his podcast that for a very brief second of time when they were looking for a new uh, a new way to go after the Friday the 13th remake came out, they approached him and said, all right, pitch us your Friday the 13th. And he did that, and then something happened where he, he alleges anyway he backed out of it. That would have been good. Like just Probably. make Hatchet Hatchet one again with with uh, uh, Jason. Like you could just do that because I of, yeah, like how creative he got with those skills. But uh, I think that Frozen one. I I don't know if you remember. They used to do this before the internet was accessible for everyone, and you can find everything in it. But they would have film festivals with like uh, dark really dark movies that you're not going to see on your regular movie theater or whatever. I think this one is, I think the Frozen was in uh, eight films to die for, or one of those, something like that, where it's just like, this is extreme horror. You're not going to believe what you're about to see. Uh, This is only going to be shown in like selected theaters or whatever. And then you watch them and it's like, Oh, like Frozen is just what happens. Uh, Someone gets eaten by wolves. You off screen, Someone jumps off the little whatever. I don't even know what they're called, but that seat. And their the legs snap. Yeah, the chairlift. And then their legs snap. And oh, no. And then he gets eaten too or something. And that's it. Like, I remember that they would hype up these movies. Uh, same when, when Masters of Horror came out. Do you remember that series? I do. <clears throat> yeah. And, We've talked and about it was it a hype. Bit. Yeah. A little bit. I I haven't even seen the whole thing because it's bad. Like it's it's not it's not a it's not good. You're getting directors that did things in the '80s, but it feels very tales from the crypt ish. You know, where it's like, okay, so you got a couple of kills and you got titties. Thanks. That's that's great. Uh, and and that Masters of Horrors that that whole series. I think there's maybe I don't know one or two that I've seen that I that I thought were decent. Uh, the rest just seems like they they were just trying to um, 
use the name of someone that's recognizable and, and that's it and just sell it as that. Uh, Which but, is crazy because I think all, almost all the, the stories of the scripts came from the directors who, who did them. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. But I feel like the idea was to do essentially a, like a short film anthology in serious right. form. There was no reason for that to be as bad as it was. Some people like it. Some people thought it was good for the time. But I don't remember ever being impressed with a single no. one of them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as far as Adam, I just pulled up his Wikipedia here. It's pretty limited. I mean, he hasn't been up to a whole lot recently he did so he did a, a a film called coffee and donuts in massachusetts when he was still you know figuring out what he wanted to do i guess and um that has never been released because he stupidly used real music on the soundtrack which he didn't license and then he does hatchet and then this is a weird one kind of ties back into this episode so we're not too off topic here after Hatchet, he does Spiral, which he co-directed with Joel David Moore, who's known as JD in Grandma's Boy. Yeah. I saw that. Oh, and, yeah. uh I, I remember that being okay. Mm-hmm. And then he was commissioned to do, or to write anyway, an Aquaman film. So that's interesting. I wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't be one of my top 40 picks 100? probably to write an Aquaman <laughs> film. Um, no not at all that's that's nice though it was never produced then he does uh some producing work because he's got his own production company grace uh he comes out with frozen in 2010 kevin zegers is that your guy you're talking about from the air best known for the Airbud series and gossip girl <laughs> yes no i don't know hold on <laughs> um hatchet 2 comes out the same year wow he's really busy getting getting busy uh, Chillerama is then 2011. Holliston happens after that. He produces Hatchet 3, does the Movie Crip podcast in 2013, excuse me. Digging Up the Marrow, which we talked about, that comes out on VOD in 2014. And then he does a couple of like short form series on his YouTube channel and website. Scary Sleepover, where he brings over a bunch of famous horror movie friends of his. I remember Sid Haig did one of those. Wasn't um, Horror Fight the same thing, too? Where they would just yeah. tell stories in front of like a ring light or something like that? Right, yeah. So he, he, would, he would have them over and use them for as much as he possibly could. And there's a lot of like people who were famous in 2003 for being mm-hmm. on a TV show, if not um, you know, just horror movie actors from the 90s and early aughts. Victor Crowley. That's 2017, and I remember he shot that completely in secret, and nobody knew that was a thing. And it premiered at um, Fright Fest or something. I actually knew, uh, kind of knew, one of the um, – so he took in two interns around 2015 or 2016, and one of them was a filmmaker that I knew through another filmmaker, only online. And this guy apparently grew to grew – to, dislike me or something because he unfollowed me on everything one day and i didn't find out for a, i was like what did i do i didn't i didn't even say nothing to this guy i guess he just hates me um and i remember he worked on victor crowley's um you know camera off or something something fairly uh you know time consuming and then he just kind of stopped worrying this this adam green he apparently well, okay hard, so he wrote something in the friday hard the baby eggplant though Heart what? Baby eggplant. What is this? The, the, what are you talking about? 
the last the thing he directed last year it's a tv series but it's on youtube oh should we check that out yeah when well if there's a trailer or something i'm sure i'm sure it's gonna be yeah fun um all right 2000 views yeah so it's uh i am screen okay october 21st 2020 do you think this is a pandemic shot something or just so happened to Maybe. drop around that time This is a very, we rented a house in LA for the weekend kitchen. This is a very porn yeah. kitchen. It's very, we, we're shooting with Riley Reed this weekend in four African Americans. <laughs> you know, Alexis Texas is coming up later to, to do those close ups. Uh, the dialogue, though, did you listen to, hold on, listen to this. Wonder why we're all in debt with low-paying jobs, no benefits. Well, your economics didn't trickle down. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> got him. <laughs> Fuck you, Mitt Romney. <laughs> you know, I really listen. I finished Peacemaker tonight, and oh, yeah? I enjoyed the series for the most part. I thought it was okay. pretty funny, actually. And it would have been—I'm not going to say it would have been perfect, but it would have been great if they just left out all the occasional. We gotta make sure you get the point. I mean, yes, he's a he's you know he's a peacemaker. He's kind of like you know he's the Chris Pratt conservative type, and his dad is you know very right wing kind of fellow. Yes, he has like clansmen that follow him or whatever. He's a, he says faggot. He says all sorts of bad naughty words. No, but then when like one of the female characters is like, oh God forbid straight white man have to correct one word in his vocabulary from a oriental to asian <laughs> or how about your pseudo fascist libertarian politics just get brushed aside for one day huh it's like oh god shut the fuck up we all right we we get it james gunn you have political i opinions. can't believe they're doing the oriental thing still i was making jokes about that about myself in like 2000 when Batman Begins came out. Yay! Uh, <laughs> well, you know who gets left out of Peacemaker? They bring in Wonder Woman, kind of. They bring in Superman, kind of. They couldn't get Gal Gadot or Henry Cavill to show up or even do just like their back. It's just, just the uh, silhouette, yeah. And then they did get Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller to show up. Okay. So, so there's going to be a season two, is that what you're saying? There's going to be a season two. With John. Cool. I, I, I enjoyed it overall. It's good as a comedy. As a superhero. So Peacemaker show, is a new Deadpool, is that what you're saying? It kind of it actually kind of is like a progression of Deadpool. But it, I think you would actually find it pretty funny. Alright, I'll check it out. I've been completely off superhero or anything really um for a while now, so maybe it'll be a nice uh change of pace, just like something that's not restricted by a, 
the universe, I guess. Um, well, it, it's around this characters. It's restricted, mm-hmm. but they still allow for some some pretty foul language. I mean, it's all like, well, let's correct the course here. But I mean, as a, if you just treat it as a comedy, I think it works for the most part. Some of the some of the jokes feel a little woman writery. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of swear well, I words. Saw the, I I saw that clip on on Twitter where, where he's like, "Whoa." If Batman fucking gave money instead of fucking, and then it's just every fourth word is a fuck, and you're just kind mm-hmm. of like, all right, who wrote this? Is a 13 year old Childish. wrote this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's that whole argument that has also been on Twitter for like 10, 15 years that, you know, if, if Batman killed instead of, you know, sending them to Arkham Asylum or whatever, things will be so much better. It's just like, why Here's are you guys my... doing? Why are you doing online arguments on your TV show? Yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't. Why? What the fuck? They're, they're frustrated and writing to themselves and scrolling Twitter while they do it, and they're just like, <laughs> "If I could just yeah. get this person in front of me right now, this is how what they would say, and this is what I would say back, and they would feel so yeah. stupid after." So yeah, that that's, that's really the motivation there. But uh, here, my litmus, litmus test for anything, <clears throat> excuse me, is. Um, how do we know if a woman wrote this? Is the word is is there a punchline with douche in it? Does the character say douche still? Like it's two thousand four. Is the word douche being thrown around casually? Oh, that's a woman writer. Okay, so hopefully a woman never writes Batman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that that's never happened, and I hope it never happens. Uh... Yeah, a gay man was bad enough. He put nipples on the outfit, started doing close-ups of the ass. (laughs) Close-ups of the very shiny ass of only the man. Then you're waiting for that Alicia Silverstone close-up that never comes (laughs) when you're 14 and that movie comes out. You think she feels robbed she's not getting the part of Batgirl (laughs) 35 years later? I'm sure she's happy with her fucking... Sharks are gonna eat me. Movie that's out right now. Have you seen that? No, I have not. Let me let me let me pull it up. Uh, <laughs> you just you shoehorn that in so quickly and so energetically, <laughs> like you're excited about it. Is this what is? Yeah, this? because it, it looks horrendous. It's from from this year, uh, and she's in it, and she looks like she would look in 2022. I guess uh, it's called the Requiem. I don't even know if I'm Requiem. For a dream too. Saban. Oh, Hell yeah. we're in for something good. Yeah. Amazing so far. Her teeth look kind of indented in front, huh? Yeah. They look very crackheady, huh? They do. like the ugliest couple in Hollywood too. <laughs> too like these women were supposed to care for them just like this. Looking ugly people getting eaten by sharks, that's fine. Everything looks like this looks worse 
understand fucking life of Pi that was all green screen and just a boat and mm-hmm. we're talking about what 10 years later look at this shot that looks like absolute shit and that's what she do it now so yeah I don't know I mean good look for that shark getting worse <laughs> that shark was look horrible that, look at that shark. oh my god can we just play <laughs> damn that shark was hardly moving that was a fucking they keep that to just go left and right <laughs> Yeah, so um what is that Dreamcast fish game? Fishman? Seaman. That's what that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. That so that's what she's up to now. Um I'm happy Asylum Asylum level movie. So I mean she's getting work. Uh, that's that looks like a nightmare to shoot though. Like I, I feel like at her <laughs> stage of her life, she's probably start getting roles where she doesn't have to like get wet, you know, where she's just playing like a someone's redneck mom or something like uh um what's her name from melancholy melancholy kirsten kirsten, that's who she's playing now kirsten does has like a tv show where she's just a southern older woman with big titties and that's it like that's mm-hmm. her character and perfect um i don't know if a 50 something year old alicia silverstone that's like the main actor of your movie is like a selling point you know hey remember remember uh um fuck what was that that movie called Clueless. Um, hey, remember Clueless when she was 19? Well, she's 49 now. <laughs> Do you want to see her on screen? And I'm like, no, not really. No, I think I'm good. <laughs> it, that's probably a great $12,000 deal with Redbox. So you're making maybe uh, half, like what? How much did that movie cost, you think? 80 grand? I, I don't know. I would hope. I would hope 80 grand. It took 8 million. <laughs> <laughs> it says eight and a half million when I looked for it. So, uh, there's, I mean, Haim Saban has a lot of money. I guess that's that's what we can get from this. Um, can you imagine eight and a half million for a production? And then here's your trailer. This that's is rough. A minute and a half of this. Little wow. shark barely moving in the water and just yeah. Why, why what, even you know show what? the shark if it looks that bad? That's who we should link up with, Heinz Saban. I'm that's, down. That's... I'm hundred percent down. Believe me, I am not above selling Mastay logo no. with Saban. If they want to throw the Saban logo no, in and say Saban present, let's do it. Let's. I'll make that deal. Imagine it's, we, we got a lunch with him, and all we talk about is Power Rangers. <laughs> Fuck yes! I love it. <laughs> I love every um, Power Ranger idea you ripped off from that one Japanese show that came out fucking thirty years yeah. ago. That's great. That's great how Kevin with. Kevin Smith makes all his money back nowadays by selling the movies he shoots to Saban. He takes his yeah. own money, I think, and maybe some like <laughs> private investors, and then shoots it fairly cheap and he knows a bunch of famous people who will show up for you know scale and then yeah. he does sell it to Saban. That's what happened with Jane Silent Bob reboot and I'm pretty sure it made its money back right. ten times over. That's probably gonna be Clerks three. Good good for anybody who could make a deal with, with Saban and good for Saban for making money. Because fuck it. Yeah. It's either that or Disney at this rate. Well he's been making money for how long? Like thirty years, right? Forty maybe? Something like that. And I think they have just an endless slate of films. Saban put yeah. out Warhunt, 
right? Which we watched the yeah. other night. Which so. was much better than we all expected. I think it was kind of a kind of. I thought we were going to laugh at this because it's actually kind of enjoyable. No, we, <laughs> it's actually like kind Jerry, of good. Jerry, which who's pretty good at finding quips to you know problems with whatever, even if it's decent, had nothing. He was just kind of he's quiet, just like just enjoying watching. What we're watching. <laughs> yeah. So I he, he, there were moments where he was just like. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of this. I'm kind of into this part right here. Yeah. Because the only thing hey, that was bad about that, bad. no, it was yeah. it was fine. I mean, we yeah. went into that expecting another night walk, and that is not what we got. I'm pretty sure yeah. War Hunt is at as it stands at this very moment in time. Now, I've only seen about ten films in 2022. War Hunt currently <laughs> resides as the best film I've seen of 2022. <laughs> it does just edge out Shut In, which is second. And Kimmy is third. I did watch that Kevin James football movie on Netflix today, and that was no. That was, why? The I just wanted another twenty twenty two. Yeah, I just wanted another twenty twenty two film, and that was a star and a half as far as I'm concerned. So that's near the bottom right. of the list. Of so War Hunt, currently the best film of the year. You, that's correct. You heard that. Uh, um, the end first. of February, like there's ten days left of February, and uh, right, and War, War Hunt, Hunt is the leader at this moment in time, with a three stars out of five yes. on Letterboxd. Okay. Mickey Rourke comeback, 2022, Best Actor Academy Award nomination. He's gonna get it because he missed out on the wrestler. War Hunt. He wore an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretending he had only one eye. Great acting. He wasn't, but that's the thing. And, and this is something that we were talking about during the movie. Like Mickey Rourke tries, you know, that's, that's more than you can say about a lot of actors that are in the, that same position where they're just getting hired for this type of, let's say European looking movie, like mm-hmm. Bruce Willis or like an Eric Roberts or like a Steven Seagal, right. where you see them on screen, you're kind of like, Oh yeah, he shows, showed up for maybe half an hour and he hates it and he's bored. Uh, Mickey Rourke might have shown up for an hour or two, but he gives a performance, even if it's like horse shit. Be- best part of Nightwalk, too. I don't know if it was just because he was funny, the fact that that character was so ridiculous in that setting, but he always brings it, even if it doesn't really ask that much from him. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Now, Eric Roberts is, you know, I, look, he's done so many films, I can't even tell you, you know, he's given a performance where he's not trying or whatever. But he'll yeah. he'll bring the best energy he can bring that day. Yeah, that's whatever what alcohol allows him. <laughs> whatever alcohol allows him to do. You know, the best performance he can do well, after drinking a couple of bottles of wine in the in his trailer. I, I've heard that he is very no bullshit on the set. That is a, a direct oh, yeah. quote from someone who has worked with Eric Roberts. Is he is that no would have bullshit. it would have sucked to have him on the Matt Say Buttery set then. Can you imagine? I'm like farting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like farting over. It's like. The fuck is his ugly wife with him? Oh well, hold I mean, on. We uh, we might still get Eric for something. Oh, uh, I would love to work nice, with Eric. Lovely wife. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I just watched. Well, maybe we should just get a camper. Hire him to shoot we, inside we of a camper. That. We'll like, get an old G to stay with him too. He can hang out for the weekend. Um, my cousin. Yeah. I watched a film from '85 called The Coca Cola Kid with a 29 year old Eric Roberts, and he's terrific in this film. He's great in this film. Um, and every time I see like an old Eric Roberts performance, I'm like, we got to yeah. get him for something at some point. And then you see Soul Searching or Soul Pursuit, and it's like, who's what? What happened here? Who, who is this man? Why did he? What debt hole did he get into? Are they threatening to hurt yeah. family members? Why is he working this much? How many bats to the knees has he taken? Um, 
because it, it he's also mo- Eric Roberts Dark Knight. He's in the Dark Knight. Yeah. I just re- I yep. I just realized this. He's the Rutger Hauer. He's not the same character. Chris Nolan loves bringing back people who haven't who've been on the bench for a little bit of time. Tom Barringer right. comes in for Inception. Who's it in Dark Knight Rises? Matthew Modine maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I can't. I, I, I it's not uh, coming to me off the top of my. I think it's probably Matthew Modine. But what were you? So is say? that is that is that what you want to be? You want to be this guy's Eric Roberts, like, um, the one that writes him a, a role that brings him back into like respectable acting instead. I don't think I'm that guy. Face. No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think I think I might be able to write something very fun for for people right. to watch, uh, but right. that's about it. That's all it really needs to be, you know. Yeah. Um. So that look, he'll 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 have his day where he he gets cast in something. Um. Actually, as a matter of fact, he has been cast in something pretty significant that's coming up, and not just Righteous Gemstones, where he's the lead villain of the season. There's so much you just forget. He's great. Just, he's great in that too. Yeah. That's the thing that, oh, this is what you could be. Why are you, what happened? <laughs> Why are you making 20 movies a year and they're almost shit? It's, and then it's one funny thing because, that's good. Right. And that's really all you need, too. Um, I, I remember because we, when we were ne- trying to negotiate um, for when we could shoot with Eric for Mass State Lottery, they said, well, he's got an HBO show coming up this May or June. And I was like, all right, well, then they're trying to, like, you know, bump the price yeah. up here for a day of work. Yeah. Um, little little did we know, it was Righteous J. He was going to be working with Danny McBride and Jody Hill and David Gordon Green. And he, yeah, he is very good on the show. Um, in his limited mobility, they do try to get clever with having him not walk around too much, even though he's like an intimidating character to the John Goodman, um, you know, character on that show. But he has been cast in um, what Damien Chazelle's next movie is going to be. And a pretty significant uh, okay. part. So hmm. there's hope for him. He might be a two-time Academy Award nominee someday. We'll see. Yeah. You don't look very hopeful. Are you <laughs> no, I mean, I just... Here's yeah, the thing about Eric. How many it, movies? Do you have his IMDb open right now? 600 Cause... movies, something like that. It's crazy. It's cr- it's cr- crazy <laughs> amount. He did 100 in the past year. Even if he was well, nominated, if he, if he was at that ceremony in 2023 for the Oscars, he would go around. He The next day, he would be on set for Soul Pursuit 2. So that's, that's the type of work ethic. He was in the Dark Knight. And I've said this so many times. Dark Knight and Celebrity Rehab on VH1 within months. He's got 656 credits. He's, how old is he? Uh, 65, I think. He's 65. 656 movies. How many movies is that a year? If if you just round out uh, pretending that he's made the same amount of movies every year. Six, six, five, six divided by, what would you say, 56? How old is he? 65. Mind you, he only started acting that much maybe four year, three, four years ago. It's that, that's about ten movies a year if he acted every year as of his a baby. Life. If he was <laughs> <Yeah. acting. laughs> 
if he was acting every year of his life, he would have made 10 movies a year. But like you said, he started not as a young lad. So he works. Let's just say that, I guess. He's, he's working. I think he might have done 100 films plus in the past year. That's insane to think about. Because then oh, he's, you gotta, I mean, that's, that's working. That, I, oh God. I mean, there's probably days where he's doing multiple trips to sets in the same day. Different movies in the same day. Well, just of 2022, there's five that already have like completed IMDb credits. And then I like, can't, can't even count how many, like That's 60 only, other. Only five movies. for. Oh, 65 are, for 2022. That have come out. No, only only five that have come out already were two months into the year. Mm-hmm. Or, or that are, or at least have like the production finished where you don't even get like the little parenthesis post-production or completed or right. anything. But then you just keep scrolling up and it's just a never-ending list of announced or post-production or you know other things that he was in. It's fucking insane. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what that hole he got into because 2018 oh, that's still fucking jesus christ 17 yeah i think the past 10 years he's been making at least i think 20 a year since 2000 2001 okay. no since like 2001 he's got at least like 20 credits a year all right either bad. like Either like TV movies or or TV shows or movies, but yeah, this guy works. Yes, he does. Six hundred and fifty-six fucking credits. That's insane. That's so much. Yeah, I believe he's the um, the the top guy as far as actors go. I think it was Christopher Lee for a second, and then Eric Roberts fucking demolished him. I'm I'm pretty sure it's like ninety-nine films. And then 600, it's like, it's not even close. It's just times seven, he got Eric Roberts. Uh, good for him. I hope he's not, you know what? Um, I hope he's not because he's in debt, and I hope it's because he loves being in shitty movies. <laughs> he just enjoys getting paid $3,000 to be in a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. And his, again, his sister's Julia Roberts. His daughter is Emma Roberts. Yeah. There's no reason for this to be happening. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. But anyway, Batman Begins. Let's yeah. get back to Batman Begins, and then we'll close out. Um, so yeah, this came out in 2005. I like the cast for the most part. I thought Christian Bale was a terrific pick for Batman, mm-hmm. especially since he was only known for American Psycho at the time. He's kind of a low-key actor during that point in his career. Uh, this came out, I think, maybe the same year or a year apart from The Machinist. I think he shot The Machinist in 2004. I think it was a year. 2005 so you had very bulky christian bell you had very skinny christian bell machinist is a a pretty decent hitchcockian thriller with him and michael ironside um i remember enjoying that when it came out been a while since i've taken a look at it and i thought the villains for this film were fine you like tom wilkinson i thought he was a horrible actor i really hated a lot of the dialogue in this movie this was basically exposition in the movie Everything fucking explains the plot. That was my biggest pet peeve with anything, really. Christopher Nolan, he does that a lot in general, where he's got all these ideas he wants to put into the film, and he knows 
maybe he doesn't have enough time or it's not the right audience to illustrate it visually as he did with something like Memento or Insomnia. Mm-hmm. Insomnia is probably Nolan's best movie in my opinion. Um, with Batman Begins, it's Gary Oldman has to explain what the you know the villains are scheming, and then Lucius Fox then steps in and tells you what they're really planning, and then Liam Neeson has to explain his whole motive and why Gotham needs to be destroyed. So the League of Shadows is basically like the Democratic Party in America today, which is yeah. like, yes, it's so bad, corrupt. We have to tear it down and build fresh. That's Bane. It's all just libtards. That's all. Hey, that was the same thing with Peacemaker. That was a thing, too. The aliens go, for so long, your planet has been uh, uh, destroyed and corrupted by these people who are in denial of the climate changing and the fires in the forest, and we want to help you set it straight. So it's like, all right, the the alien, the bad guy, the aliens here are just liberals. Got it. Okay, glad they lost. Next season. That's the same thing here with the Nolan films. Nolan's a covert Republican. You can definitely see that with Dark Knight Rises, where it's like, yes, once you take out the bankers in Wall Street, see what happens? Chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just does <laughs> yeah. 2020, the movie, before it ever happened. Just the summer of 2020 in a Batman film. Um, was it George Floyd is Bane, basically? That, that's how that played out. What do you think is going to come out um, in the next, let's say, 10 years when they dream- – uh, Overly dramatize COVID because I haven't seen they already do. COVID. I haven't Have seen any COVID related. No. You haven't? Kimmy <clears throat> Soderbergh's new film is COVID related. There's also a film which I felt just bad for the two lead actors, very t- talented two lead actors that got recommended to me after I watched a rerun of Mad About You with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt, sitcom from the 90s, because he does a yeah. Skype cameo in that. He's on a screen and pops up. Um, and it had a. Uh, God, what's his name from Grounded for Life and Buffalo 66 and tons of movies. Kevin, Kevin something. Ke- he's a good actor. He's very intense. He's in Pineapple Express. You know who I'm talking about? No, he's got a, he would be a good Wolverine. If you cast him as Wolverine, he would be good. Uh, I started that guy and then the dude who starred as Henry Poole, whose name is escaping me, Hal Hartley, Henry Poole. Um, these two guys did a, a COVID movie about two priests who were afraid to open their church. And I watched the trailer. I was just like, this is such a waste of talent. Yeah. It, it really, uh, especially after everything comes out, that it's just like, oh, we freaked out for two years, but we probably shouldn't have. Like, I wonder how dramatized everything is going to be in, in 10, 20 years where they start romanticizing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... It, it, it's really going to depend on how movies go once the theaters are finally kaput, right? Because at this rate, you have one big movie, and that big movie was Spider-Man, and then there's no other real big movies. Everything else is getting up, getting ready for streaming. A24 selling their movies to Showtime now, the fucking horrible cable network that brought you Dexter. They're selling their movies to Showtime. That's the world that we're living in at the moment. The TV networks, they're going to be the new film distributors through streaming apps am i excited for are you are you excited about spider-man getting an oscar from the, the fan, fan favorite oscar no because yeah. i got listen i got smeared this week i made i made the headlines <laughs> this week they're trying to cancel me i'll never work again they're saying justice league fans furious that it is ineligible because didn't get a theatrical release and yes this is oh. partially correct 
but goddamn, I'm look. My tweet was featured there. Once a garbage <laughs> ceremony, always a garbage ceremony. Um, they they decided to put that spotlight on me. That's fine. If it draws more attention to a good social cause that we can all rally behind, then fine. I'll be the martyr this week. Back I'd like to, yeah. I would like to see him nominated for best director. The film win fan favorite. Do you think that fan favorite Oscar is going to be like little? <laughs> it's just like a tiny it statue. It's like half the size. <laughs> it should be one of those little plastic trophies you get from like the Halloween store. You know, when you yeah, get to like your yeah, yeah, boss yeah. or something for retiring. Whatever tourist store that just says, I, I love whatever city you're in. Number one. Just has, yeah. Just three for five dollar t-shirts mm-hmm. that just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, that would be little good. Oscar statue. Why? Just, just so Spider-Man can win. Okay. It's going to be Spider-Man. It's going to be, what else was out? What else was popular? Adam's Family 2. The Matrix? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Something I don't like know. that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be, that'll be the most interesting or fun part, I think, of the Oscars, and they know that. It's pathetic. Well, it's just going to be like a short segment in between awards, I'm sure, before they like uh, cut to commercial or something. I don't know? think it's they'll just... bring in a presenter or anything. It'll just be one of those well, between ads. Yeah. Just no, 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 because they did announce that if you tweet about it, they could select you to come to Los Angeles to present the award for the don't movie. Say. Wow. Yeah. Fans so. for the fan favorite award. That would be nice. Someone gets to stand next to Amy Schumer. Yeah. So that yeah. that that just sounds like desperation to me, really, you know? Uh-huh. Where it's just like, like hey, hey fans, you guys love the Oscars, right? Would you love to present whatever this award is to whatever movie you guys select? And this is that, the first step. That's how you get the first step toward them know. doing it on Twitch. Yeah. It's starting to get interactive. Now you're starting to grease the wheel, so it, it, it's going to be that. Also, what a roster of hosts from 2007. Amy Schumer, Wanda, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall from the scary movie films. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I'm too very, very, very young and relevant. You know, Wanda Sykes, do you remember her? She's a, she's a funny 60-year-old woman. <laughs> that's great yeah that's gonna bring in that audience that you know is lacking at the oscars you know. wow. amy schumer very good, good uh luck to yeah someone that's been um putting her face out a lot not really because she's kind of kind of let herself go again so well they finally realized that she's not worth anything anymore lena dunham at least has a good creative brain where she'll create new things for herself to try and become relevant Amy Schumer doesn't have that. So as soon as she falls out of favor, she was lucky to get this. Extremely lucky to get this. Yeah. Um, anyway, where? Well, so, hold on. With, before we close yeah, up, what do you yeah. what do you think is going to be this year's pizza selfie for the Oscars? I don't think that's happening. I think there's going to be an audience. <laughs> you think these celebrities are going to the Academy Awards this year? I don't think it's happening. I, I think it's going to be. Did we not have a moment like that last year? Was it not like a funny, haha, we're celebrities and we're millionaires that have fun with each other? Moment. Think, I'm sure there was. No, it I was too traumatic. Not, they were about... all taking a Wakanda knee and that was it. That's what they did. There was a yeah. moment of silence. That's what it was. They just put up a black, black square on the screen for, for an yeah. hour. And that was it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no one wanted to be around each other. No one wanted to be there. But listen... Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Would you say 
that this is one of the better Batman films? And also, how about this? Do you think, because obviously this Flash movie coming up, they're bringing back Michael Keaton. We're starting to see Michael Keaton's going to be the new Batman for a while. He's in that Batgirl movie, and even though Batman is somehow now older than Commissioner Gordon, he's in it, Ben Affleck, and his Batman's going to be in it. Are we going to see some, I don't think we're going to get Christian Bale. Are we going to see somebody from the Nolan Batman movies? Because the general vibe I feel like they have is that these three, for whatever reason, are untouchable. Don't mess with those. Don't integrate those. But it's not going to be up to Christopher Nolan, obviously. It's yeah. going to be up to Andy Muschietti. Yeah, they're going to bring um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the Batman Ooh, that we ooh, never Robin. saw. Robin. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Right. They call... Uh, John oh, Robin. I was so mad <laughs> in the theater because I, I like the Robins and... Was I was waiting John for that. Robin? I was waiting for the moment when, they, when she was going to say Dick or Grayson or or Todd or you know any of the Robin's names, and he's just like, "Oh, your name, Robin." It's like, and I was like, "Oh, wait, none of the Robins is named Robin. What the fuck? Like, what is this shit?" <laughs> and I'm like, "That doesn't make any fucking sense." Like, if you're not a fan of the Robins, you hear Robin, you're just like, "Oh, cool, that guy's Robin." There's one of them, but there's like six different Robins, so. When that happened, I was like, oh, cool. They're going to bring that. Wait a second. That's that just you, you, you didn't even try, you know, to make it like for for the fans or whatever. No, it was just like, well, you know, that felt Robin. a lot like someone was nagging Christopher Nolan throughout the movie would be like, you know, you should you should do Robin. Robin should be in this yeah. movie. You should have like a, a setup for Robin. I think you get it. Maybe you should just make Joseph Gordon-Levitt Robin. At the end, well, you had a just like, you had oh, a perfect sick of this. Yeah, his name's Robin. Just just say, <laughs> just quick quickly say, what's your, Oh, you should use your real name, Robin. All right, there you go. You got your fucking Robin. You had a perfect setup there too, because I, I believe that at the time in the comics, Dick Grayson was Batman. So you could have had him being Dick Grayson, who's helped him throughout the movie, and then you know if the, if the, if she had said your name is Dick or what's Dick short for Richard, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. It would have been like, oh, okay, so that makes sense that he's going to the Batcave and becomes Batman. Oh, that that's awesome. That's what I was expecting when she said Robin. But then immediately I was like, wait, none of the Robins is named Robin. So he's just like thrown in there as like a, hey, guys, Robin, remember? There's a Robin guy. And then they didn't do anything with it. Where that could have been such an easy, you know, um, little bit of a trivia thing for yeah. people that are actually into the... His no, name, no his name should have been John Williams, and then it was like, <laughs> "Should have used your real name, Robin Williams." <laughs> then it could have been a, a you know a double entendre there. It's like ah, yeah. the famous comedian killed himself. Yeah, and, that, and he turns the camera and it's Robbie Goodwin doing a Robin Williams <laughs> impression. <laughs> could have been great. Dalton's yeah. new podcast, everybody, check it out. Dalton, yeah. show. Hey, yeah. so. Joker is hinted at at the end of this film. And a lot of people, I remember, in my theater were like, yeah, that's setting up Jack Nicholson. Because they thought Batman Begins, this is the prequel to Batman, obviously not a new thing. And it does seem like they wanted to have this movie exist in that world and in what was about to come. Where it was like, well, if it doesn't work out, then we can just say this is where it really started. Even though 
they clearly establish what's his name from all those Rob Zombie films from Three from Hell did not kill Bruce Wayne's parents. It was young Jack Nicholson. What's, what's his name? Oh Richard. my God, that's the fucking guy. It is I was guy. like, why does he look so familiar? But I can't, he, 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 he looks like the McPoyle brother. What's his name? Uh, from It's Always Sunny. The less famous McPoyle, yeah. What's his name? You know that actor? Jimmy Smiths? He kind of had like a Jimmy Smiths thing going for him for a second. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, hold on. He looks familiar, but I don't. And yeah, Three From Hell. That's the, the guy that they tried to replace Captain Spaulding with that didn't work at all because he was just Otis right. times two. Yeah, okay. They threw yeah, a beard I, on know. in the in the flashback, which is maybe why you didn't recognize. He only has his regular face that's the same one from those films at the courtroom scene before. Yeah. A female assassin comes up and shoots him. Yeah. Uh, uh, Car- What's the Italian name? Car- Car- Carboni? Uh, Car- Carmine uh, Tomat- Fal- Tomatoni? I always Carmine. thought it was Carmine Falcone. And somebody on the set must have said, no, 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 it's actually Falcone. Even though it's spelled it's Falcone. Yeah. Falc- yeah. I uh I think those two Tim Burton movies exist in its own universe and it's better that way because they're so different from every other Batman movie that <clears throat> this whole uh Michael Keaton thing I I'm I'm not feeling it. Uh I don't like the fact that they're bringing that universe that's completely different from everything else they've done into something that's not even a Batman thing. Uh, so I'm I'm wondering if they're just going to do like a very cheap cameo of just him being on screen for a little bit. And then it's like, oh, shit, it's Batman. But the universes are so different. <clears throat> the ones that uh, they're trying to build now, I guess, compared to the Tim Burton universe that I, I don't know if bringing that character that exists in that into something completely different would work as well. Um, and I, I actually like the fact that he was just like, all right, so I'm done with the second movie. My movie, which is the the second one, is the actual Tim Burton one, you know, where he can go full Tim Burton in it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I like the fact that he was like, all right, I'm done. Like, that's it. Uh, because those two... They, gave, they offered him a lot of money for that Batman Forever movie. Yeah. And it just he knew it was going to be a piece of shit and said no. So, yeah, and, and those and those two work so well together too that I like I I don't know if it's fair to compare the Nolan trilogy with the rest of of Batman movies because they're so different tonally and it's so different what they're trying to accomplish with both uh, that I think it's a little bit unfair to say you know the Nolan Batman's are the best ones just because well yeah they're better movies but uh as, as like a regular movie but i feel like the two tim burton as like a comic book character as like a fantasy uh not the world that we live in character or movies i think they're the the two that i enjoy the most from what i've seen and i'm, I'm not a batman fan at all but those two have enough personality and enough uh weirdness and quirkiness that makes them way more interesting than any of the other sequels that have come out. And even though the Nolan ones are the most, you know, film uh, uh, or film film uh, critic accepted movies, I still t- would take those two Burton up before any of that trilogy, I think. I completely agree with you. I, there's aspects that I like about Batman Begins more 
than Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises. And I think it's that theatrical element. They don't abandon it like they do with the Dark Knight, where it's like, we want to do heat in a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. The Gotham City that's in Batman Begins feels much more thought out than the one that's mm-hmm. in the Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises, where it's just like, all right, we're just going to show Chicago. We're just going to show parts of New York. We're going to show Wall Street. Um, they have like a, an entire geography mapped out of this Gotham and the people of this Gotham feel gross and low class. And it's very dirty Chicago or, uh, you know, a more like segregated part of New York, maybe with the narrows and the orange tint and the, the smog that comes up from the, the sewer grates. You have crooked cops like Detective Flass, who I was yeah. very upset because I liked Flass in the graphic novel. He's this like he's supposed to be Ivan Drago, essentially, and you have this f- yeah, fat, he looks fat like, tub of lard. He looks like Captain America, and he's yeah. they got fucking that Fogel guy. What's his name? He's on uh, oh God, Dan Fogel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not Dan uh, Fogel. <laughs> they should have cast this guy as Francis Ford Coppola. By the way, I just read that Francis Ford Coppola is going to finance his one hundred and twenty million dollar mega nice. uh film yeah. using his own money. That's fucking baller. That's um, going to be great. I hope I yeah. hope it turns out fantastic. I hope it's his every wish come true at 82 years old. Um, anyway. uh, just just going back a little bit to that to what you said, um, <clears throat> the Batman Begins uh, out of the three is the one where Gotham City feels like an extra character for the movie because on the yeah. other two, we're focusing too much on the characters where. <clears throat> you could have just thrown them anywhere and, and Gotham city is not really much of an element. Like it doesn't really weigh that much. Uh, in this first one, I guess because we're seeing Batman become Batman, uh, that is more of an element uh, of his origin and like everything that happens. Uh, when in the next one, you know, it's all Joker and uh, uh, two face and the girl and then Batman. And then there's too many elements and too many things where the setting if it was Gotham City or if they were in Metropolis or anywhere else, really, I don't think it would have changed that much of the story. Uh, And then on the third one, I guess um, it's more of an element because you have the stadium scene, you have more of like the making fun of or uh, parodying or maybe reflecting the, you know, Occupy Wall Street movement thing where more things happen outside, I guess, but I don't. I don't feel like in that third one, Gotham City ever feels dangerous by itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on this first one, it feels like, oh, okay, shit. So this is actually like a shitty, dirty city that he needs to clean up. Uh, it's more of a, a part of his character than any of the other two. Uh, so maybe that's that's what makes it maybe a little bit more interesting. That's more of like a. There's something above Batman or above these villains that is still, you know, even though I'm going to defeat this bad guy, the where we where we're at is still kind of a shithole. So it's yeah. more, it's more of like a like an opposing element to it than in the other two movies. What, what did you think about him hinting at um, some of the more obscure rogues gallery? Because this is the first cinematic or any real portrayal of Victor Zaz, the the serial killer in the Batman mythos. As played by Tim, something he's a he's not even an actor. He's a singer of some like hard rock band, but they went with a different look for for. Oh, is Tim Armstrong from The Rancid? Is that it? I don't know about that. Maybe. Um, are you familiar? Are you familiar with the 
music no i i i remember the character like i know the character and i know that he shows in a boat right or is that on the second he gets tried uh for for murder and killian murphy tries to get him moved to arkham rachel dawes right. the katie holmes character is trying to have him sent away and also is that the only time we see arkham in any of these nolan films oh i think so yeah so yeah because everything else is focused on the villain not really it's not very general you know tim booth is the guy tim booth who's who's the singer for indie rock band james never heard of yeah I don't, I don't know their music either so this guy kind of he must have known somebody christopher nolan yeah. must have been a fan or something and uh you know victor zanis is later brought back for birds of prey where he's a gay serial killer who just is misogynistic and hates women and that guy does i mean look this guy does very little he's required very little but i assure you this is the superior victor's ass of the two the, the thing with him is that what he marks himself every time he kills someone right right that's the thing yeah yeah i think um <clears throat> if he had um expanded that rogue gallery a little bit more i i, I don't know if it would have worked that well i feel like uh around that time uh at least when the third one came out um that's when like the the bigger than this movie thought was coming uh where where it's like okay so we had two very successful movie so the third one you know now this is a trilogy so if we were able to do this with batman we we're going to be able to do it with more characters so then you have the amazing spider-man that has like a lot of villains that they don't really do anything interesting with uh that uh thinking way too far ahead without even putting the movie out to see if it's going to be a success so then what you do is you just hint at the villains uh very slightly as like you know, if you're a fan or if you like visiting movie blogs that um, that show you like, oh, uh, Easter eggs or, oh, did you, uh, trailer analysis. This is a 20-minute anal- analyzing a one-minute trailer. Like, if you enjoy that type of thing, then it was for you, I guess. But I don't like the fact that they were setting up something so much bigger without knowing if that movie is going to be successful. And then it wasn't, and then that died. If there were, if Nolan had done that with the villains here, I think it would have taken away from the villain that Batman was actually fighting. Uh, because even though you have well, like Catwoman, who's not really much of a villain in that movie, and then you have the Joker, and you have Two Face, who's kind of a villain for maybe a quarter of the movie, and then on the third one, you have Bane as the main villain, right? What other villains were on the third one that I can't remember right now? Besides Bane. Uh, Talia, Al Ghul, and Catwoman. Right. So so it's very, like, minor characters. It's like, even Bane was not a character that I would, number one, pick to speak at all. Because I always thought of him as just, like, the muscle, right? Like, this wrestler muscle thing. Mostly because of the animated series. Uh, but <clears throat> if that rogue gallery had expanded more, I, I don't know if the movie would have been as focused. And maybe what would have happened is that the the characters wouldn't get enough screen time to even make a difference. So it would be more of a, hey, that I recognize that guy mm-hmm. and, and not much else, you know, uh, especially if you're trying to make them grounded. Uh, Batman has a lot of very 
normal characters again because i guess because of the whole mafia thing and 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 how that world even though you know you have things like man bat uh or or you know supernatural monsters like that uh at least at the beginning of the the character story he was dealing with very down to earth very real characters so maybe you could do something with those but it's it's not characters that the whole mainstream knows even even i don't think bane was like i'm sure bane was just a a, a risk too to just make him oh yeah the, the main I, I character mean, right twitter was still in its infancy but i remember when they announced bane as the uh villain bane, and that tom hardy was going to play bane people were very thrown off by that because bane is pretty c-list and the only other time we've seen bane is jeep swenson in uh batman and robin back in 1997 which was, I mean, also a very peculiar pick back then. Yeah. Um, even if Bane is kind of considered a significant villain in the Batman history since he braves Batman's back, and they do adapt Nightfall for Dark Knight Rises, it was uh, certainly a risk. But I think it was a big creative payoff because everybody has that impression of Bane in their head now. They took that version of Bane yeah. and threw him into, I mean, they did it like a light, lighter, but it was still a you know, Tom Hardy voice and the mask and all the code yeah. that that became like the bane of the video games and the comics and the animated sh- that, like movies they were doing. So, Christian yeah, there's Nolan. no wrestler, there's no Mexican wrestler bane anymore. There's mm-hmm. no Banny, you know. I think this was a little like Tink Serasure at the time. No, Bane in the comics actually is English, and then they later in the animated oh, series made him um, Mexican. Mexican, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Uh, oh yeah, because at some point he's he wears like a gimp mask, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, not wrestler. That's maybe I I don't actually know what that I that visual does come to mind. Yeah, uh, that's, as that's something though, but I don't know where that is. Like um, zipper. It, yeah. <clears throat> as far as um, Batman Begins goes, um, do you feel like this was the correct move? them in terms of villains to introduce the Ra's al Ghul character as a lead. When you're coming off of four very cartoonish, colorful characters, um, excuse, actually, obviously more than that, what is it? Um, seven or nine? They did three between the first two and then four in the, the latter two uh, Schumacher and Burton films. Then you have Ra's yeah. al Ghul who just looks like a normal dude. They removed his immortality for this movie because they want to ground it in, in reality. right? Which I was never you know, hopped up on the same way other people were. I thought, I don't mind that. I don't mind leaning toward that. You don't have to get hung up on that necessarily because you do wind up erasing a lot of interesting rogues like you were saying, Man Bat, or if you want to do a version of Mr. Freeze or something like that. And it doesn't seem like that's going away anytime soon. This Matt Reeves Batman seems just as concerned with being in reality as yeah. as that, um, which I don't know how I feel about that necessarily, but. I think uh, for this movie where um, you're showing a lot of uh, the years from uh, when his parents get killed to when he becomes Batman, I think, well, I don't want to call him a minor villain, but in this movie, he's kind of a minor villain. Uh, I think that works well for the story that you're trying to tell. If you had a, a, a bigger, more, let's say you had a, the Joker in this or or a bigger villain like that, 
it would take away from the story that you're trying to tell, which is the untold story of how this guy became Batman and why is he so good at fighting and why does he have so many gadgets? And like, that's that's one of the parts that I really liked about this, how very workmanlike everything feels with his yeah. gadgets and well, like with his team, where it's like it's just a team of maybe three, four people that that trust him. But every time he's being shown like the armor or like different things like Morgan Freeman, it feels very small. It feels very contained. It's it's not I'm the rich guy that has every gadget he wants and fuck it, whatever. I'm just money. There is an element of that here. There's that scene where he's with the with the two women and he just got out of the pool, or whatever, and then he confronts uh Katie Holmes and, and he's like, Oh, I'm more than just this or whatever. You know, so you have those little moments too, but I feel like the villain like that where you show him as being part of his transformation into Batman, but at the same time, not taking a lot of screen time that would take away from investing yourself into the Batman character. uh, I think that that was perfect for the first one, at least. I don't know if this would have worked uh, for two or three, uh, but when you're trying to set up a character that a lot of people are familiar with already, um, feel like every time we see Batman's story it's always well his parents are getting killed like this and then he's Batman you know mm-hmm. so I, I find that very interesting the fact that okay so let's give him a little bit of a backstory because we're gonna have and I don't know if they planned the three movies in advance but we're if we're going to make more out of this let's show a little bit more of who this character is so that we know more of the Bruce Wayne instead of just uh parents that trauma uh, rich with gadgets and that's it you know so a minor villain here works for me uh, uh-huh. for that reason just maybe because I, I don't really care about Batman that much so they made me become invested into his character by doing that um, but at the same time the ending does feel a little anticlimactic with the train thing uh, so I don't know if maybe maybe that could have cha- been changed to maybe like a long fight scene or something like that where something's about to explode or something. But, but I don't know. I feel like it, in this movie, it works just because what you're trying to accomplish or at least what it feels like Nolan was trying to accomplish with this is different than, you know, a big baddie, big villain yet, you know? Well, uh, yeah, I, I would say I mostly agree. I think the, the ending works. My main problem with it is that... Uh, you know, they kind of give you the impression Scarecrow is maybe a bigger character and he's mm-hmm. just swiftly done away with a very emasculating manner, which yeah. is kind of funny. I kind of actually like that yeah. too, in a way. Uh, you know, he's not that intimidating of a guy. He doesn't have a whole lot of power on his own. Yeah. And Scarecrow's not, I mean, you could turn Scarecrow into a very menacing character or what we get in this film, which is somebody who's not all that menacing and well, falls off a they, horse. You do that really well with the games. I don't know if you've ever played the Arkham games. Uh, he's one of the main villains, but they, they play the whole drugging thing a lot. So there's a couple yeah. of stages where you get drugged and then it's like a monster, gigantic scarecrow or things like that. You could use that character that way because he's not really a physical... He's not gonna, you're not going to beat anyone up with the scarecrow. So you have to use what they use here uh, to make him... A villain, but at the same time, is someone that can be easily defeated as he is in here. So it it it, it works uh, to me. This movie he works because it's early in Batman's career, so it would make no sense for me to throw someone very threatening or very powerful here because he's just starting. He's still getting his ass kicked a bunch. He's still like trying to figure out who he is as 
both Bruce Wayne and his Batman. So a minor character like this that, uh, you know, drugs him for that one scene that he gets all fucked up and he asks um, uh, uh, Alfred for help. I think for the first time that we ever see uh, that he's able to do that and then he gets saved uh, works as like, a, you know, one of the first villains or one of the first supernatural villains that he uh, fights or, or defeats. Well, I was I was going to say, I think the, the scarecrow and the, the toxin helps us get around the grounded in reality notion mm-hmm. of this movie. It kind of eases you in to what's yeah. going to come with the next two, because he, it still, still does have that supernatural element where he's going to look a little spooky. And then the horse is also going to look demonic. And then there's going to be a bad right. man with ooze coming from his mouth or something. Um, yeah, and I, I enjoy Killian Murphy in this role. I think he does a good job. I don't think, I mean, a lot of people really said that, um, you know, Katie Holmes was a big weak spot for the movie. I don't think she's especially terrible. I think she does her job. Was she yeah. worth replacing? Probably. But a few people were worth replacing in this movie. Um, Wait, do you think her replacement, which is Maggie Gyllenhaal, right? Mm-hmm. That's who replaced her? Yeah. Do you think she's any better than what she did? Like I, I don't feel like I mean that character you need it for his motivation I guess but at the same time do you really like who cares about that performance you know I don't know if like, what's Holmes her... is going to sell you on the the gravity of what happens to that character as much as uh, somebody with Maggie Gyllenhaal's chops maybe like an ugly 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 actor yeah uh, what... gotta make up for it somehow <laughs> because like what's her scene that you want to know how I got these scars is that her scene? There's that one, and then when she's tied up and gonna explode. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen The Dark Knight. I saw The Dark Knight in theaters three times when it came out. That was a good okay. summer for movies. Saw Tropic Thunder twice, Dark mm-hmm. Knight three times, caught it in IMAX at the Aquarium in Boston. Very enjoyable. Um, but it, it's been a while since I've watched it. It's been maybe about, I don't know, seven, eight years, nine years, ten years maybe. So. If we continue with these Nolan films, I'll be interested to see how that one holds up like this one. Because this one did not hold up as well for the mm-hmm. dated factor. And also just I, I, I somehow the exposition went over my head. Um, I had something else I wanted to add, but it's not really, I think, pressing for us to continue the show any longer on, on Batman Begins. I think we made up for a good 45-minute block in the middle where it was not right. related to Batman Begins at all, which is fine. Um, I did ask, do you think that they're going to somehow incorporate, do you think that they have such a a reverence for this film series that they're not going to include it in that Flash movie? Or anything to come, really? What what could they use? Uh, Christian Bale or... If Christian Bale, and maybe he does need a role, because he did the Adam McKay Vice movie, right, where he got fat. He, after swearing off a number of times, he wasn't going to change his body anymore. He does it again. He's got yeah. no other move. Um, you could do that. You could bring back any of these guys, really. I, I, th- I just I, have a feeling that that movie is going to be such a huge <laughs> The Flash? <laughs> yeah. I, it feels like Amazing Spider-Man 2. Remember before that came out? Everything that, that came about it was about how this movie is going to be huge. It's going to be almost three hours, and you're going to have three bil- villains, and there's going to be so much because you have to set up an entire universe with this. And it's going to be the Sinister Six and so much shit. Just this, do you like this character? This character's going to be here. Yeah, this other one. 
that's the selling point of a slash movie. Hey, there's going to be guys that you recognize from other movies. Have, I mean, you got the Flashpoint story that hopefully they'll they'll follow to the <sighs> faithfully, but do they ever do that, or do they just use the name because it's a recognizable name, and then they change the story? You know, because it doesn't really relate to to screen that well. Uh, I'm not excited at all. About you know what? You're, you're right. It does feel more like this is supposed to be a bookmark or a checkpoint in a game where it's like, all right, now we're going to pick up here and this is the new, don't worry about all this. This is, this all yeah. still counts, but you're only going to need this going forward uh, because you do have the introduction of a bunch of new characters. They're getting rid of some older yeah. characters. It, you know, it was originally called Flashpoint. Now it's just the Flash. Uh, they oh, it's not. So it's not even going to be really. So they just made their no, own I, Flashpoint. Then I, I think it's going to be the same general idea, but I think it's going to be different. The original title was just Flashpoint, and mm-hmm. I think they want to give the flashes due. But you, how can you do that when? I mean, the the trailer is Michael Keaton's Batman. It feels more like yeah. Batman Three. That's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, because the whole trailer is just waiting for that to happen waiting for him to pop up and and that's it so it's like all right so it's just a flash movie or it's just a movie where people just want to see michael keaton dressed as batman again you know <laughs> i don't know anything have you if seen the set photos do... of um keaton as no. batman on the on the batgirl movie no it doesn't look well first of all people are saying this is michael keaton it's his body double because that guy is clearly younger in the suit um the suit looks kind of uh, like a mesh between Batman and Batman Returns, and it has a soft middle because this is a stuntman. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case with the suit, where for whatever reason he's just loosening up the, uh, the Batgirl is body. black. Uh, no, she's Puerto Rican. J.K. Simmons, Puerto Rican daughter. Okay, uh, fair enough. Representation or something, I guess. I can't find the suit. Oh, I think I just did. Oh. You you might be able to find them on Twitter. You want to pull these up on the screen, so our, our audience who are watching on Patreon.com/slash/lowrays can get a look. I'll take a look at this. Um, just gray blobs at the moment. Are these the? No, these are not the set photos I saw. They were much That's better, uh, clearer set oh, photos. Okay, yeah, because this sucks. All right, hold on. Let me find them. There's two HD close-ups of the Batman suit from that period. And I guess what the idea is that it's not going to be a clean uh, continuation from Batman Returns. I think it's going to fuck with the timeline of that too. So they're going to go, all right, well then Michael Keaton's Batman is just suddenly the Batman of the Ben Affleck timeline, which means he's going to be with Jared Leto's Joker. I, I would hope not, but that would be I think I just found them. A spectacle to behold. Let's take a take a look at this. Is that it? Um, yeah, there you go. That looks so, like shit. It looks loose. It's, got- it's a loose belly. <laughs> He's got a belly and titties. That's great. Now, I, I think this yeah. is just for the stuntman so he has mobility in action. That is not Michael Keaton at all. <laughs> look at how big that guy's <laughs> head is. <laughs> look at that jaw. Jesus, yeah, this looks, yeah. The abs are still there. Is that even, 
Yeah, Look at J.K. Simmons with my hair. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, they decided to make J.K. Simmons younger in these films, and that's why he's a ginger and doesn't have. Yeah, the ginger. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I forgot that he was a ginger like originally. Uh, yeah, it looks like shit. I'm not excited at all. <laughs> that looks terrible. Uh, but I guess you know. I'm more optimistic this about slow. this Batgirl movie. Much actually, much more so than I am for the Flash movie because the lead actress for Batgirl, even if she doesn't look like Batgirl, and they did the thing where anytime there's a redhead, Batgirl, there's gonna be a four R's in Batgirl. Uh, yeah. Anytime they they have a red-haired character, is gonna become black. It's always black. They switch it over. Um, yeah, it's the uh, ginger. What is it? Um, uh, what is that term people use when you don't give visibility to a group of people? Erasure. Yeah. Visibility. Yeah, you got that ginger erasure there where no one wants gingers on movies. So whenever you get a ginger character, you just turn them black. I haven't seen an authentic ginger in a movie in 22 years. They got Woody Harrelson for Carnage. That wasn't even legit. No, so you got, what, the fat kid from The Sandlot? Is that the last one? Oh, yeah, he should have played Carnage. <laughs> Yeah. That would have been good. He should play Commissioner Gordon now. Why not? He would look like the old Commissioner Gordon, who's a fat so If you're yeah. doing a prequel, it makes sense. Now, Batgirl has Michael Keaton as Batman, who's apparently still Batman, even though he's old as fuck. J.K. Simmons is a young, dashing Commissioner Gordon. And uh, Batgirl, but who's the villain? Fat-ass Brendan Fraser is going to be Firefly with his little jetpack going around town. Hell yeah. You want me to believe a 300-pound man can fly? All right. We'll see. I'll go with it. And He's a pyromaniac? Sure. Let's do it. Um, You know what? You just told me on that. Because Firefly is such a ridiculous character that I want to see fat Brenda Fraser. They were shooting some, um, some shots of him walking away from the fire. I think like a cool guy. Yeah. It was like behind the scenes. So he's just... Didn't he have like a so pizza in his hand or something? <laughs> Probably. He was uh, he was enjoying himself. He had some wings or something. He was carrying around. So yeah, Batgirl seems that sounds promising. better than that sounds better than Flashpoint or the Flash or whatever they call it. We don't know anything beyond Flashpoint aside from the fact that it's going to have Michael Keaton and a weird butchy lesbian Supergirl who's also Puerto Rican or something. Good stuff. Yeah. He's, he's Christopher Nolan wouldn't have done that. Career. He kept them all straight and white and gender appropriate. Right? No Jenny Olsen. He really did. Because he really he's a conservative. He's, he's alt-right. Christopher Nolan is alt-right. Yeah. And he sh- that's why he hasn't made a movie in a while. Is because they found out and he's on the blacklist. Yeah, because he was he he's being detained right now. He was on January 6th. He rushed the Capitol. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Nolan is in solitary confinement right now for <laughs> rushing the Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> yeah, that, that, would, that would really... Just like the bombs. <laughs> the best we got was the Bob's Burgers guy who got fired, who got yeah. dismissed like seven months after the fact. Can you Fuck. imagine someone that big as Nolan just being that stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Nolan believes in Q. You're gonna yeah. get, he's gonna make his own new Batman movie, and it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be the Riddler as the bad guy, 
and he's going to leave yeah. cue drops everywhere on image boards like 4chan. It all happens. It all happens on the internet. Well, that's what the new Riddler is anyway, right? New Riddler is uh, first of all, he's a DoorDash driver, um, and he's a weird guy, and he loves putting tape on his mouth. Yeah, that's the Riddler yeah. and the new Matt, the cool, aesthetically charged Matt Reeves, the Batman. Yeah, Colin anyway. Farrell. Big fat pig in the movie. Couldn't cast a real big fat. Jesse Plemons got robbed. Couldn't cast the guy that looks like what he ends up looking like. You know, what is that guy's fucking name? Richard Uh, Kern from News Radio. That's, yeah. Yeah, you got Richard Kern waiting for that call, you know, waiting for that that Batman paycheck. And no, you're just going to get a a handsome actor and make him look like him for whatever reason. Yeah, how interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to get Barry Keoghan, who recently got outed as a P-boy. Can you just go to Barry Keoghan's Twitter real quick? We'll take a look at Barry Keoghan. He's going to be playing. Apparently, this is what the report is. Just like that Joker playing card we get in Batman Begins. There's going to be something that sets up Joker for the next Batman movie. And the Joker's supposed to be Barry Keoghan, who's like the bad version of Ty Sheridan. Like him and Ty Sheridan are twins, and he's the bad what the twin. Fuck? <laughs> are you talking about his piss shorts yeah hold on first of all he's posing like a stud but he's got love handles which look good for him for, for doing that but let's take a look at this photo and just do a quick zoom in here let's take a look at this guy yeah oh he wait thinks, i saw the cool post that was just a yep yeah <laughs> someone just took a leak before coming outside for photo time also, why does he have like a seventy-five-year-old hands? Look at those old-ass-looking hands. Hey, dude. what is this little pale spot on his body here? Yeah, I don't know. Did I, he have? Yeah. Hold on a second. Did he have? He have one there. He had another one here. Oh, I well, may, that, may, I maybe maybe it's a set. I don't know. He's got a bunch of them in his chest too. This could have strongly benefited from some Photoshop. Just a quick touch-up in Photoshop would have done the trick. Yep. That's a joker. (laughs) You know, what I like about Barry Keoghan is literally right before he became famous, he was doing YouTube fan films as Spider-Man. So there was hope for anybody. Barry Keoghan should have cleaned those shorts. Clean your shorts. <laughs> You'd have worn <laughs> underwear with those shorts, you. Should have just shook the head of your dick, dick after you. <laughs> Maybe he's got a prostate problem. Maybe he was just really horned up, and that's actually pre-cum. I don't know. Barry Keegan. Maybe a mystery. Maybe he needs to wear a diva cup uh, on his forehead so that he doesn't the forehead foreskin. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck! All right. Well, you know where I was going with that. God damn it, my foreignness. Fuck my joke up. That's uh, right. Anyway. Uh, well, damn it. Uh, I'm pissed. Batman Begins. I'd say maybe give it a watch. It's on Netflix right yeah. now. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. All right. That has been movies for this week. Barry Keoghan. Uh, please clean your voice. boy. P-boy. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening.